Looking for a casual base? Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. Thank you, Tyler and Noah. That is Baseball with the Bard. Every Sunday, 11 o'clock, make sure you listen, especially with the baseball season opening day tomorrow. With the baseball season starting opening day tomorrow, make sure you listen to Baseball with the Bard every Sunday at 11. And we know it's opening day. You know, we know opening day is tomorrow, but we will get to it because there, there are there is other stuff we want to get to first. And obviously, we got to get to March Madness. We got to get to the weekend. It was in the Sweet 16 in the, in the Elite Eight. Pretty much, you know, it pretty much was the opposite of what it was the week before. I mean, most of the favorites won. Obviously, you saw Gonzaga Cruz. You saw Baylor win win their two games. You uh, you saw Houston as the favorite win their, win their two games in their region. But somebody had to throw a wrench into this, and that was Mick Cronin and the UCLA Bruins as they won in overtime, beating Alabama. Uh, they they overcame that buzzer that that uh, game tying shot at the buzzer by Alabama by Alabama to end up winning that game and then last night they upset the number one seeded Michigan Wolverines and uh, Michigan did it in typical Michigan fashion uh, not not hitting a field goal in the last five minutes uh, and 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 UCLA pulls out the win fifty one forty nine Johnny Juquez was phenomenal he had twenty eight points he had more than half of UCLA's points and UCLA. Gets to their Final Four for the first time since 2008 when Kevin Love and Russell Westbrook were on the team. So we got the Final Four set in the first matchup. We got a Battle of Texas. We got Houston and we got Baylor. And in our second game, we got a West Coast. We got a Battle of two teams from the West Coast as we got UCLA and Gonzaga. A rematch of that great 2006 Sweet 16 game, Adam Morrison's last game at a Gonzaga. So two very, very interesting matchups as we go into the Final Four. But we got to get Justin's take on the weekend that it was. Yeah, you know, it was a very, yeah, it was a lot more chalky this weekend than the first two weekends. Um, I did see now, I, it did definitely help, but I get, you know, having Sweet 16 on Saturday to Sunday, but I guess it was like the best ratings in 1993 for the Sweet 16, but that obviously helped. I, the I think a big reason for that was because they just had the one game on. I think that helped having it be a standalone game, and obviously everybody's still quarantined, and I think the standalone game helped. Yeah, it definitely did. You know, I kind of, you know, when there's blowouts like that, you wish it was two games. Um, but, you know, with the action of Sweet 16, yeah, you know, Oregon State, whatever run they had. Yeah, you know, um, a- you know Baylor, you know, Baylor Gonzaga kind of took care of business. Houston looked good on, um, you know, again, or Roberts, they they had it. Man. They had a great chance. You know, that, that again, you know, it was a great shot that they had. You know, they had a great look at it. Um, that would have been great to see them in the Elite Eight. Um, and then, you know, very surprising game of the Pac-12. I figured Oregon would give them much more of a battle than they did. Um, with Houston – or with Houston Monday night, yeah, they look good. Um, against Oregon – or, you know, Oregon State, they were able to hold on. Um, you know, Oregon State gave them a good run for the money. But, yeah, right now it was chalky. Um, but what a – you know, what a job by like, Mick Crowe UCLA – you know, and they're missing three guys too. They're missing um, Nix, who was a five-star, ended up going to G League. Jalen Hill, one of their um, backup big guys, who was averaging like six and a half points and four and a half rebounds a game. He left for personal reasons, and then Chris Smith got hurt on New- on uh, New Year's Eve. And you know, here they are. And how did Johnny James do's 
not play at Kentucky last year. I, I don't get yeah, I don't. Uh, get the, and Kentucky it just shows like you that. that, you know, let's be honest, John Calipari is not the greatest coach in the world, okay? No. That'd be a Hall of Famer, but, you know, he won one title with Anthony Davis. You look what Mick Corona's done at UCLA. He's he's instilled defense in this team. He's instilled this team playing hard, and he's done an outstanding job. Yeah, he, he's done great. And, and, I, and listen, I know UConn fans don't like Mick Corona, okay, from, from the days in the AAC. And those days from like 2014 to 2016, that was the biggest rival of UConn when UConn was competitive in the AAC. But you got to admit, he's a great coach. He's a really good coach. Yeah, you know, he's very good on the defensive side. The offensive side always needed some work. It still does, it, but it's it's better. He's got some. He's got better players. He had good players at Cincinnati, but they're more ta- tailored to defense than they were offense. I feel like, um, besides like Cumberland, pretty much. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, never thought he'd get to a Sweet 16. Cincinnati fans must be. Uh, they tried running him out of town, and I don't know if you've heard what's going on with Cincinnati, but uh, it, it is a train wreck now. So, um, you know, Cincinnati fans are great in that one. But yeah, what a, you know, what a job he's done with his defense. Um, this so so down this Michigan team, you know, and they've been unbelievable. It's it's you know, obviously now I, I don't know if they have much of James Gonzaga, but. Hey, you know, it, it's great to see UCLA back. And, you know, I know we talked about all the blue bloods this year not being, you know, as good. But, you know, here's somehow, here's UCLA somehow. Absolutely, absolutely. And we do got to get to your friend who uh, made a comment. Uh, can't wait for tomorrow. Sean, I promise you, stay tuned. We will get to opening day. We got a full baseball preview. So we will get to opening day. We got a Yankee preview. We got a baseball preview. So stay on. We will get to that. But we'll now talk about, before we get to the final four, Let's talk about the team that lost last night, and that's Michigan. And honestly, this was the one night where they missed Isaiah Livers. I think this was the night they did because they, they didn't hit a field goal in the last five minutes. I mean, I think that UCLA did a great job on Hunter, Dick- Hunter Dickinson, that number 14 guy for uh, – number 14 for UCLA. He's not a very good offensive player, but he did, he did a pretty good, good job defensively on Dickinson. I felt like uh, I felt like they did a good job containing that. Bogner had a terrible game. He was awful. But, yeah, this was the night where not having Livers came back to catch up to them because they only hit three three-pointers, and they only scored 49 points and just terrible, terrible plays at the end of the game by Michigan. I'm not for criticizing play, uh, you know, coaches calling, drawing plays at the end, but what were they doing shooting threes when all they needed was a two? You have three or four opportunities to either take the lead or tie the game, and nothing was going to the basket. That's what I don't get what Jawan Howard did last night. I don't get it. Yeah. I'll start with UCLA before I go on my, on my rant about coaching here. But, um, yeah, you know, they did a great job on him. Um, you know, Cody Riley got into foul trouble. But, yeah, um, Kenneth Nawab, who, who he's a guy that never played much at all this year. He played like, he, you know, he did not score much. He, you know, didn't do much at all. And, yeah, he was great defensively, grabbed a couple of big rebounds. Um, you know, obviously now they're going to need him at Gonzaga. But, you know. To be as good as he did defensively somehow, but yeah, he, he did a heck of a job there. And the rest of the, they, you know, they, you know, Wagner, yeah, he really struggled because, um, you know, again, it was disappointing for him. I, you know, he's had a good year and it just nothing fell for him last night. The rest of the team, Mike Smith again struggled. Um, it, it just, you know, they, they had a good, nothing fell and they could not. You know, Shawnee Brown came off the bench again and played pretty well. He, he, did, he did pretty well. He did, he did pretty yeah. well last night. The bench yeah. was the difference. The bench kept Michigan in the game. That's pretty much it because yeah, Jukes uh, had an amazing game, but the bench for Michigan kept them in the game. Yeah, because uh, Davis had seven. That was about, you know, 15, you know, yeah. Cause, 
Um, Dana, because Davis stepped in too, you know, hit some, hit some shots. So yeah, yeah, they just, they did not have much, um, you know, yeah, but Smith with three Wagner. So, um, and then going to coaching. Yeah. I, I, I you know, so I, you know, I did play basketball since I was five or six years old, you know. Oh, I know. I know. And, You're a basketball junkie. Yes. Yeah. It, you know, my dad was always my coach and the thing was, it was always get to the back. You know, the goal of basketball is to get the easiest shot available. We, I never, with him, we were never allowed to take a three-pointer. Really, really? There, there, you had rules on your team. You could not take three-pointers. Yeah. If you took you a three-pointer, would you, would you have to go to the bench? Yeah, he, he, he pulled me. I oh, really? Like, really? Really? Yeah, you know. Actually, yeah, I get pulled. I, I would get pulled. I, I never tried. I, I was more of a finisher. But, yeah, it was always layups, 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 you know. And that's the way, you know, so it's, if you're down two, I don't know why we're trying to win the game. Why is everybody trying to be a hero? Just go to OT, you know, John Howard. Having um, Dickerson inbound the ball, yeah, okay, it, it helps actually to be able to – I guess your tallest guy to be able to throw the ball, but you have a half second. Go to the rim. Go tip it in. You said it didn't have a guy that's 7-1. Go throw him a tip in. Yeah, you had, the, you had the size advantage all game yeah. long. All game long. Their biggest guy was 6-9. I, I, I just – I hate to say this. This was the one game in March Madness outside of the UC Santa Barbara Creighton game. This was the one game in March Madness. I feel like the coach contributed contributed to the loss. I think Jawan Jawan Howard did a great job this year, but I think he tr- contributed to the loss. This was this was a bad night for Jawan Howard. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was bad, and I think you're right. Yeah, the UC Santa Barbara never never been on that coach again ever again. Yeah, not, no, not taking no. that as long. He's there, but no, no. yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was a bad day. It was all, you know, and I know in that final play, too, I don't think Phil Martelli was in there. I wish he had Phil, you know. Yeah, Phil I, Martelli, I, who I think's had a lot of input this year from that team. I think Phil Martelli yeah. is the best assistant coach in the country. I mean, he's been yeah. very, very important to that Michigan team this year. I, I would say that because they weren't picked to be very good. And I, I like Jawan Howard, but I'm not considering Jawan Howard a great coach. I think Phil Martelli deserves a lot of credit for what he did for that Michigan team this year. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, he's in. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, it was a great how it's you know, hiring by Juwan Howard to go get him and knowing he's been around this game for so long. He knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, I, he's had a lot to do with it. And then I liked another one, Howard um, Esley, too, that's there. I thought he was going to get the VC job, but he, he didn't end up getting it. Um, I, I've liked him, too, on that staff. But, you know, yeah, I, I kind of wish because Phil, you know, I was kind of rooting for Phil too to find, you know, get his chance to go to the Final Four, but um, he lost another heartbreaker back in all four. I remember but that yeah, with Jameer, he, I remember the Jameer Nelson yeah, days, yeah, 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 when he was, yeah, um, but yeah, I just I don't I don't get what, and I think that's the one problem, you know, in, in basketball too nowadays. It's the analytics again because threes are worth more points. We need to shoot three balls, and it's it's even sadly under, you know. It's gone into like final, you know, I know everybody wants to be a hero, but just go to OT. I think they would have won an OT because they've already played two overtime games in the tournament. At some point, they don't have much depth, UCLA. So at some point, they're going to wear down. Exactly. I mean, they I, can't I went from the first, yeah, they went from the fir- first team since in 10 years ago from the first four to the final four. Yeah, two overtime games against Michigan State and against Alabama. So, so I mean, yeah, I would definitely have tried to take that game to OT. And you had the sides advantage. So what Michigan did last night to me made no sense at the end of the game. Yeah, I'm with you. It just didn't. I, they kind of just beat themselves. And yeah, this is yeah, yeah. No disrespect to UCLA. I felt like Michigan lost this game more than UCLA won it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Michigan had their chances. They, you know, Michigan had some chances at the free throw line. You know, again, Wagner 
Wagner had, you know, a th three, keep driving the ball, go get it two. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they had opportunities to go tie the game up, but no, they tried to win the game. They, you know, which, they, you know, was a terrible move, pretty much. It, it cost them, you know, go, go. There's nothing wrong with overtime. Yeah, I'm no. with you. UCLA, or Michigan lost this game more than UCLA won it. Absolutely, absolutely. So now we're going to get to the final four. We'll get to our first matchup, and that is the Battle of Texas between Houston and uh, Baylor. And I think these two teams, I think actually Houston is a little bit of a lesser version of Baylor. They, they have the guard play with uh, Sasser, and they have the guard play with Grimes. And uh, and, and Baylor has the be probably the, the best guard play in the country with Mitchell and uh, with Butler and with Teague. So, But both teams don't have a great inside game. So, But the thing is, is for my opinion in this game for Houston is, uh, Grimes has got to hit, start keep hitting threes, and Sasser's got to hit threes. Sasser hit five threes against Oregon State. Grimes hit four threes against uh, against uh, uh, Oregon State, and four threes against Syracuse. So they did a good job shooting threes against the, against both teams' two three zones, uh, two three zone defenses. But in this game, I just think the problem with Houston is they just don't have an inside game. And let's be honest about Houston; they've beaten a lot of double digit seeds to get here. I mean, they beat uh, in the first in the, in the second round. They very easily could have lost to Rutgers. They that was a double digit seed. They beat Syracuse in the Sweet 16, so they avoid West Virginia in the Sweet 16. And they avoid avoided Illinois in the Elite Eight. So I think Houston avoided a lot of, you know, top seeds to get here. So I just don't think they're – to me, I just don't think Houston – I think they're a good team, but they're not a great team. And I think this is a game that Baylor takes care of business. I think Baylor wins this by double digits. I think they – you know, I think I think them and Gonzaga are on that collision course. Like I said last week, Deming Gonzaga are on a collision course playing the national championship game. I think Baylor cruising in this game by I think they win, I think Baylor wins this game by ten to fifteen points. But Justin, the question is, uh, what what does Houston have to do to pull the upset against Baylor? Um, you know, so Houston, I do want to um, to get the upset in this game, rebounding. Um, I love, you know, the way they get after in the glass, you know, Calvin Sampson has a team and this has always been Calvin Sampson's like the guys he gets, he just gets a bunch of hungry guys that just want to crash the glass that are just tough, competitive guys. Um, I, I think they could get, I think they can really dominate this game on the glass and, you know, cause both teams, yeah, they don't have a ton of size. You're absolutely right about that. And I think that's where Houston could kind of come in and, and be able to, um, Get, get some offensive rebounds, you know, again, ba you know, Baylor doesn't play a ton of zone. They play more man to man, but you know, for, you know, um, and it's tough to play zone against, against Houston because of the way they do rebound. You kind of saw the Oregon state game. They just absolutely maul you because you can't box out it. You know, you don't know where a guy is. So um, if, if they can rebound, get a bunch of second chance points, because that's why they just chuck it. They just chuck threes at times because they know they're going to get the offensive rebound. Instead of trying to run an offense here, let's just chuck it up, get the offensive rebound. It's an easier shot, you know. Um, but, and, you know, defensively, too, they're second in the country in opponent's field goal uh, three-point percentage. You know, ba Baylor's um, second in the country three-point shooting. If they can kind of um, – it's going to be a tough physical team. I really do like this Houston team. You know, they lost Caleb Mills, too, you know, to Florida State. That was the player, the preseason player of the year in the American. Um, he, he was a solid player. I'm, you know, I, yeah, Houston beat one top 25 team, Texas Tech. They're the first team ever to beat all digit, double digit seeds to get to the final four. Yeah, Rutgers had them dead, you know, with four minutes left. Oh, and, yeah, they were up, they were up like eight points with like four minutes to go. Pikeel had them. Yeah, they, they did. And, and 
I, I do think this is a good team. I think they were, you know, it, it I think maybe last year they're fit better with Mills, but I, I do really like this Houston team. I think they could really pull the offset. Yeah, you never know in this tournament. You know, you never know. But uh, but to me, Baylor and Gonzaga just seem to be the clearly the two best teams. But Baylor's had some scares. I mean, Nova was up at halftime. Arkansas was making a little bit of comeback against them in the second half. So Baylor has proven they can be beatable in this tournament. And obviously it is because they're lack because they're lack of size. Now we know that on Houston side, Quentin Grimes is their best player. We know on Baylor's side, Jared Butler is their best player. But who are two X factors for, who, are, who are an X factor for both teams that can make an impact in this game? I got um for I'll start with Houston. I got D uh John Giroux, the UMass transfer. Um, he's a guy, he's averaging like 10 points a game, four, four assists, like five rebounds. But he's a guy, you know, I think like the last few games, it's like he'll have like 12 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. He's kind of, he does it all, you know. And if when he, um, you know, didn't play the Cleveland State game because he had an elbow injury, I think he banged it up again, either in the Rutgers game. I think it was the Rutgers game, he banged it up again. Um, uh, but since then, he's been playing really well. He's a guy, he'll get you 10, 8, 7. Um, he's kind of, I feel like a glue guy to this Houston team. If, if he's able to kind of put up those numbers, I, I think Houston um, has a chance. And then for the Baylor Bears, um, I, I'm kind of going with anybody, um, you know, like an Adam Flagger or Matthew Mayer, those two. If they can come off the bench and get like ten, one of them, just need come off the bench, get like 10, 11 points, that's when Baylor's at their best because um, – you know, and Mayer kind of brings in some size too at six foot seven, six foot eight. They grab some rebounds as well. Um, they may need him on the glass, but if Meyer's knocking it down or a flagger, and they have five, six guys that are in double digits, it's tough to beat Baylor. So if one of those two can continue to come off the bench and give them some production. For me, if Baylor's bench is good, this isn't going to be a game. They're going to win it by 10, 15 points. The only way Houston wins this game is if that the, is that guard that you said plays well, that UMass transfer, because, and, and and then Grimes and Sasser have good games, so that would mean all three of them would have good games. And then Houston would have to contain one of those three guys, either Teague, uh, Teague, Butler, or Mitchell. They'd have to contain one of those guys and not allow a lot of bench scoring. I think that's the way Houston could win. And for me, the way Baylor could win, they got they, – they have they – have, if Baylor, Baylor would – for me, Baylor would win pretty convincingly if their bench is good. If their bench is good, Baylor wins this convincingly. Yeah, I, I could see that. If yeah, Flyer Meyer both drop in like yeah, eight to nine somewhere. I, I definitely could because yeah, that means probably means Butler's going off Teague. Um yeah, I, I could see that kind of getting a bit ugly. Um, but again, you know, for for Houston too, I think, you know. The way to win this game too is with with their deep, you know, their defense is so good, and, and they're I think they're yeah they're you know you said it too they're pretty much kind of a mere image of each other, you know both teams want to try to turn you over they play very aggressively they'll try to trap you like you know again both teams play kind of the same style that's why I do think Houston's be able to to keep this interesting you know I, I'm rooting for Calvin I would love to see him be able to to win one. Um, you know, I, I think the NCAA has been a little rough on him for, you know, what happened to Oklahoma and Indiana. Uh, but, yeah, if, if they're able to um, just slow down Baylor, again, it, it, and keeping Baylor out of the half court, too, because, um, you know, Houston's like 314 at pace to play. Baylor's top is 49. So, yeah, you know, the, the, the only difference is, you know, the pace of play for these two. And if Houston's able to keep them in the half court, 
I cry. I like Houston's chances because that's how you have to be Baylor, keeping them out of the half court. I mean, Ab- keeping them out of transition. Yes, absolutely. And and looking at this Houston program, I remember it. You know, following the AAC, I remember going to the AAC tournament back in uh, two thousand and uh, two thousand uh, six uh, fifteen. The first year they were a number ten seed. They pulled an upset over. I remember they pulled an upset over Tulane. To I think they pulled an upset over Tulane in the yeah, first round. Yeah. They lost to Tulsa, but then the program just kept growing and growing. I remember in seventeen, I was at the game when Houston played UConn in the quarterfinal. It cost Houston the tournament. Samson was not happy after that game too because they had to play that game at UConn, yeah. and, and it cost them the tournament. Then they got to the tournament the next year. Uh, you know, Michigan beats them at the buzzer. And now look at where they are. They're in the final four. So Calvin Sampson has done a phenomenal job with this Houston program. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I remember, you know, I remember. I think it was a New Year's Eve game, two thousand fourteen. Two thousand fourteen. They upset UConn. They're not, the yeah. year UConn won the national title game. We're all saying, "Oh my God!" They lost, UConn just lost to Houston. But you got to you got to realize, Calvin Sampson has done an outstanding job with this program. Oh yeah, because that program was just in shambles when he got there, and you know, there's some history with that program too. So, oh yeah, fly fly flama jamma, you know, fly Drexler, Akeem Olajuwon. I mean, probably one of the best teams to never win the national championship was 1983 when they lost to Jim Valvano and the NC State Wildcats. I mean, that was one of the one of the best teams to ever not to, to not win the national title. They weren't as good in '84 when they lost to Georgetown, but in '83 that team was one of the greatest one of the greatest college basketball teams ever. Got to three straight Final Fours: '82, '83, '84. Yeah, yeah, it's disappointing that that you know none of those you know, those three years that they couldn't get it because that lineup, yeah, that that front court was stacked with those guys up there. Uh, but yeah, he's done a phenomenal job. I remember that uh, Tulsa Houston game. So my, we were behind the Houston bench. My dad kept heckling uh, Calvin. Oh, really? Um, really? Night, yeah. Really? Yeah. Because that was the yeah. night of uh, that was the night of Baz. Uh, no, uh, Boltwright hitting the yeah, shot against right. Cincinnati. Then that's how yep. UConn got to the semi eventually beat Tulsa and then got lost to uh, SMU in the final. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was the night where Boak Knight hit the sh- – uh, uh, not Boak, not Boak, Boak Wright hit the shot to uh, to uh, get UConn to the next round of the AAC tournament. Yep, I remember that one. I, I, that was a great game. And then that Tulsa game was, like, the ugliest thing I've ever saw. It was, like, 45-43, that final. But, yeah, you know, um, yeah, where Houston was, that 10th seed – to where they are now being a Final Four team. Last year would have been, I, I think, you know, I think they had a chance last year, too, to be a Final Four team. So, yeah, unbelievable job. And, and Calvin's Calvin's really done a great job wherever he's, where, you know, whatever program he's put his fingertips on. He, he's done a remarkable job. And, and it's great to kind of see him re, re, rebuild this Houston program back to where, you know, where it was in the 80s. And, you know, they, they you know, where it should be. They, they should be one of the top programs in the, in the American conference and be able, no, not a, you know, final four team every year, but you know, they should with their history should, they should be in the tournament every year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we got to get to the second semifinal. And this is, this is, this is the team that won last night, UCLA against Gonzaga. And obviously Gonzaga has been clearly the best team in the country. They've dominated in the NCAA tournament, the first four rounds. They've just breezed by every opponent. They haven't had a game. They haven't had a team come within 15 points of them. Offensively, they're averaging almost 90 points a game, and with three out with three three All Americans, Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, and uh, Corey Kisper. I mean, this is the Gonzaga team trying to be the first undefeated team since 1976, since Bob Knight's uh, Indiana Hoosiers. I mean, this this to me this I mean, as I said, as we said earlier, it last night. No disrespect to Mick Cronin, was more about Michigan losing that game than UCLA winning it. I think Gonzaga wins this game. I think they, this this might be this, this this could be a blowout. I think uh, yes, yes. UCLA's played tough defense, 
but this Gonzaga team is averaging almost 90 points a game. Somebody uh, somebody else outside of Juquez has got to step up for UCLA on Saturday night for them to even have a chance against Gonzaga. I got Gonzaga winning this one by, you know, four, uh, 15, 20 points. I, I think Gonzaga is just too tough. I think this is this is, this, this is going to be a blowout. I think they're going to cruise on the international championship game and play Baylor. But, Justin, what does Mick Cronin in UCLA have to do to pull the major, major upset over Gonzaga? Well, you know, I think his best chances if Gonzaga comes down to like the stomach flu this week, and you know, the five starters are out for Gonzaga. Um, but I, you know, it, it's it's going to be tough. You know, the you know the way UCLA plays defense, in the way they're going to have to, and it, every game you know with Gonzaga plays, they're always be in transition. They're oh, you know, they somehow, and I don't, I don't even because I, you know. I haven't seen a weakness on the Gonzaga team that I can point out or pick out. You know, this team pretty much just—it's been perfect. You know, um, you somehow you got to limit the turnovers. I think you know, like a Tiger Campbell has been struggling scoring wise. I think he's probably gonna struggle again because of the length of, of Gonzaga. You know, with their guards. You know, Nibiram I think is like six four, six five. Jules Jai is like six five. You know, Suggs is six two. Uh, I think Campbell's like five ten, five eleven. So I, I think they're gonna struggle. Um, that, that's, you know, with that, but yeah, they need to know that somebody other than giant Juquez, they, they need, you know, they need a Campbell. They, they need Cody Riley to stay out of foul trouble. They need him on the floor and, you know. Yeah. Because you need to score I, against Gonzaga because you're not playing number 14 and scoring against Gonzaga. That's not happening. You're yeah, keeping up with that need, team. That's not happening. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cause they're going to need, cause I don't think there's any way possibility where you can keep Gonzaga in the 60s or 70s. And I don't think UCLA – that's the only chance, too, I think UCLA has if they can somehow keep this game in the 60s and 70s. You're not being Gonzaga in a shootout. There, there's no way. No absolute way. You know, and Mick Cronin has been playing a lot more. So he did play a ton of zone last night. I don't think he played much, you know, at all last night. He's been playing a lot more than he usually does this year just with their depth and all that. You know, this is a game he's going to have to play man-to-man. And I, I UCLA just cannot match up with them. Um, they're, they're, you know, I, they, they need to be praying for a miracle because I, you know, just on paper. Yeah. It could get very ugly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we know that, uh, we know Johnny Jukes is, it was uh, from last night is UCLA's best player. And we know Corey Kispert is Gonzaga's best player. Who, wh- who are, what are, who are an X factor? Who can be an X factor on either team that could, that could impact the game? Um, for UCLA, I think Jamie, um, Jaquez, I can't say his name either. He's a guy in Michigan State at like 27. I um, believe he had 20 either. Hawkes, Hawkes? Yes, Hawkes, yes, yes. Yes, that, that's correct. Um, you know, guy at 27 against Michigan State looked good. I um, believe he had 20 against Alabama. Yeah, he 20 to Alabama. Um, showing the Abilene Christian game, struggled last night. He's a guy he's got to knock down shots. Um, and the thing is, too, it's probably going to be tough because I think Drew Timmy is probably going to be on him because he played more of the four with how small they are. Um, they're going to need him to get shot, hit some shots. You know, just as I said, they're going to have to win this game in the 80s. And they're going to need one of their best three-point shooters and Hawkins to be able to knock down some shots. Um, and then on the Gonzaga side, I'm going to take, uh, you know, I, you can pretty much go any way you want for an X Factor with Gonzaga, but I, I'm going to go um, with, like, uh, uh, Drew Timmy. You know, I'll go with his matchup here. 
Um, I, I think he's the guy. There's no one that can cover him. There's no one that no. can cover him on UCLA. No, and it's not like yeah, yeah. it's not it's it's and it's not like last night where uh, where you like where last night where Michigan really didn't want to shoot threes. Gonzaga's going to shoot threes. They, I mean, yeah. if Timmy's being covered by if if they bring uh, the, the guy they brought in last night to, to cover Dickinson and Timmy will just kick it out to Kisper and it'll, it'll make a three. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, you know, um, yeah, with Timmy too, and yeah, because uh, um, Juquez too, he's not you know. He's not a forward, but he's got to play the four. He's got to play the power forward position, and I think yeah, Drew Timmy's going to be able to eat him alive. Um, and I think they may have to come, you know, in double form. You know, that could be a possibility as well. Um, you know, and then yeah, then you kick out to Kispert or Suggs or um, Neibhart or um, a Watson. Like they're just, you know, there's just too many pieces. So I, I think Drew Timmy too could be easily put up 20, 25 points against UCLA. Um, they, they just do not have anybody that can match up with them. And I, I think he's he's going to have a field day against this UCLA um, size disadvantage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I got Gonzaga winning big. And so, Justin, who do you got in both these two games? Obviously, I think it's pretty obvious who you got. Yeah, I got Gonzaga. I'm going to take Baylor, even though I'm, I'll be cheering for Houston. Um, I, I got Gonzaga, Baylor, Monday night national championship game. And I got Gonzaga beating Baylor in a close one. Who do you got? I'm gonna. I got Gonzaga beating for the first time ever. Uh, or you know, first season 1996. They'll go undefeated in their first title in their program history. I'll take Gonzaga to knock off Baylor. Um, because I don't think Baylor may match up either with their size. I think Gonzaga would be able to dominate the paint game. Yeah, as Hector says, Bulldogs versus Bears, and it would be great to get that matchup. As he said, yeah, Bulldogs versus Bears, and it'll be out. It'll be great to get that matchup. But we're going to stay on the Baylor Bears. We're going to talk about the women and that controversial game between the Baylor women and the UConn women Monday night. It was got which got a ton of atten- which got a ton of attention, uh, 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 even even nationally. LeBron James tweeted about the foul, and let's just set the scene. I mean, 68-67, late in the game. Deanna Deanna Carrington. Drives to the hoop, gets hit by Nelson Adona. She gets hit in the face and in the arm by Nelson Ad- by uh by two of the UConn girls. But there's there's no foul called at all. Uh, very very controversial. Very yes, I know it was a physical game, but in my opinion, that was a foul. That's got to be called. That foul has got to be called. Uh, let's be honest. That that that's a foul. Uh, there's there's there, you're not going to convince me it isn't a foul, but. Here's 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 the other thing. It didn't cost Baylor the game for two reasons. Number one, you cannot assume that Carrington would have made those two free throws. So, and another reason is is Baylor ha- Baylor had the game. They had a ten point lead with two minutes to go in the third quarter, and they let UConn go on a nineteen zero run. They pretty much went scoreless for five minutes. If you want to beat UConn, you want to be a great team. I don't care if DD Richards was out. You cannot uh, go scoreless for five minutes and expect to win the game. So yes, that was a bad call. I'll admit that was a bad call in that game, but it, to me, it didn't cost Baylor the game because of those two things. You can't assume that she's going to make the two Carrington's going to make the two free throws and you cannot. And you, and when you're up by 10 points with two, with uh, two minutes to two minutes to, with uh, 12 minutes to go, you got to close that game out. So 
great game on, for women's basketball. Maybe the best, not only women's basketball, women's college basketball game of the year, but maybe the best college basketball game of the year on Monday night. Sad that the officials had to help decide the game, but still, it was a great game. But the big question is, Justin, in your opinion, was it a foul? Yes, it was a foul. Um, she got smacked in the arm and or elbow and, and face. But the thing was is, yeah, they let it play very physical. I don't know if you saw, there was one play where it's like Paige got actually tackled by somebody. And I think the ref like knew that he missed the call and tried to like high five Paige and she just ignored him. Um, it, it was very physical. I'm with you. You can't let a um, 19-0 run. You can't let that happen. That's on coaching. You know, and I'm with you. I like your two points you brought up. You can't, you know, you, you don't know if she's going to make both free throws. You can't determine that. Um, you know, it, it was coaching. You know, Kim, Kim you yeah, know, you yeah, got to make adjustments. Yeah, Gino, Gino did outcoach Malky in that yeah. game. Obviously, Gino definitely outcoached Kim Malky. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and you know, because you, you can't allow a 19 over run to happen. You got to make adjustments. I know we were just talking about it. You know, we just talked about any game coaching. Now we got to talk about in game. Yeah, or, you know, you got to make adjustments when you lose your best defensive player and then. Paige just, you know, was a robot, you know, those few minutes there to help out the 19-0 run. Um, but, yeah, it just – it was a foul. Uh, it, it was a terrific game. And, yeah, you know, um, obviously it's – but – and I, I guess I know why the refs didn't want – it's just one of those things where – because in real time it didn't look like, you know, she smacked her in the face. Like, it looked like she kind of maybe tapped her on the arm from, you know – um, for me, but until you see, see the replay, but you know, it's a tough spot too for physical call it because you know, either way, with the game on the line, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to decide it either way. Yeah, but, but I think in that case, because it was so here we go. But when do we get, get, get it right? As fans, we scream at the refs to let them play when they pretty much call fouls, but when they we, but then we argue when a foul when it doesn't seem to be. I don't think it was a foul. Just my opinion. And yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it's 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 definitely. It was a good point Hector brought up. You know, yeah. yeah as fans, we scream at the refs, let them play. But then, you know, with a team that a lot of people don't like, you the UConn women, if if they if if, if they get a foul, if they get a call where they fouled someone, the, the fans want the foul called because they don't like the UConn women. So that's why they they want they want that foul they want that foul being called. Yeah, Hector says. And Hector's Hector's being Hector's saying we should just be consistent. If we're going to say let him play, just let him play. You know, okay. not, don't care about you know, don't care if it hurts our team or not. Just if if if, if we want if we're going to let him play, just let him play. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I like that because yeah, they were letting him play most of the game. It, it was a pretty physical game, you know. Uh, it's yeah, if you're going to let him play, let him play. I like that. You know, I, I'd rather see him let him play. I, you know, I'd rather see something. Obviously, you want to see something like that controversial. Uh, at the end of the game, but I rather you know I don't want the refs to sign the game. I don't want the game that just be decided on the free throw line. I don't like that, you know. So yeah, you know I, I'd much rather let them just play it out, you know, because it, it, you know um, it's just and because two in the women's game flow is so much better with the fouls, so much better than men. They got to go to quarters. Um, but yeah, I I, I I you know let them let them. Let them play, and 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 Hector and Hector's from Baylor, and he's saying it's not a foul. Yeah. So wow. th th that says something. He's probably a Baylor. He's probably a Baylor. He's, he, I know he's a men's fan. I don't know if he's a Baylor women's fan, but 
Yeah, I mean, he, he, he says it's not a foul. So it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. My opinion, it was a foul. Justin says it was a foul. But, but still, it was a great, great game for women's basketball. Pro- and, and, and probably the best college basketball game of the season between UConn and Baylor uh, on Monday night. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, yeah, it probably was. You know, I'm thinking West Virginia Baylor game back um, late February, I think, or early March. But I think because of the tournament game, I, I think you got to be. Yeah, I think you got to handle. You know, you still Alabama the other night was good, but yeah, I think because it's a lead eight game, Baylor UConn definitely um, was the game of the year. Yeah, that was an elite eight game, and uh, that was back and forth. And there's no way those te- that Baylor should have been a number two seed. No, Baylor yeah, definitely should have been a number one seed because that did not, to me, feel like an elite eight game. That that's a yeah, final yeah. four game or even a national championship game. Baylor should not have been a number two seed. NC State probably should have been a two seed. Baylor should have been a one seed. The women's committee did not do a, the women's committee did not do a good job seeding that tournament. That they that that the, the seeing the fact that Baylor was a number two seed and seeing how great that game was. Yeah, yeah, you know, I heard the reason, the big reason why Baylor lost six games this year due to COVID against top twenty-five teams. One was including UConn, so I think that's probably what did it. You know, so yeah. who knows? They played one of them. They're probably a one seed, but yeah, it's still they should have been a one seed. I, I still at twenty-eight and two. I don't know how that team was not a one seed. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous how they weren't a one seed, and and you got a team like NC State who loses in the and losing the Sweet Sixteen. It's it's, it's ridiculous. The Baylor, what'd you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say they were ridiculous because I think they were. It may have been like halftime. I think they, you know, it was a close game that whoever they, the 16 seed was. I think it was like tight for a while, too. Like, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of ridiculous one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, here's another comment from Hector. If UConn wins, they're probably going to get. If UConn wins, they're probably they're going to point to the Baylor game. If they lose, people will forget about it. Yeah, ex- exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. They win a national title. Everyone will be talking about this game uh, against Baylor. Everybody will be. And yeah, if they lose, people won't remember as much. Especially if they lose Friday, they won't. They won't really remember as much because uh, because they didn't win a national championship. I mean, yeah. So a great point by Hector there. And then this leads us to our to our next to our next topic uh, about about is is what is UConn going to do in the Final Four? My obvious, I think it's pretty obvious. I think they beat Arizona, but for the first time, I think something's going to happen. I think they lose to South Carolina in the national championship game. It's the first loss Gino has in the national title game. And he's one of these 11 for 11 in national title games. I think this is his first loss in the national championship game. And I think South Carolina beats UConn in the national title game because in a way, uh, I, I, I just think that UConn's a little bit lucky to get there. And I think, I think they're a young team with a lot of freshmen. I think they're a little bit lucky to be there. So I'm going to go with South Carolina over UConn in the national championship. I get UConn. I think they're absolutely going to destroy Arizona because Arizona's got this one guard, Ari McDonald, who's really, really good. Um, but they Arizona's got no other pieces around her. So I think UConn blows out Arizona. And the, I guess Sanford going to the national championship game. I want Ooh, we got Sanford Russell Wilson's sister. You got Russell Wilson's sister going to the national title game. Yeah. Uh, I watched them play last night. They could shoot, they could flat out shoot the ball. Um I'm going to take UConn to beat Stanford in a close one, but it would not shock me to see Stanford knock them off. I can't believe Stanford won a title in 92. I thought they won one like 10 years. Yeah, Tyra Vanderveer. No, she's been in the Final Four a bunch of times, Tyra Vanderveer. In the national championship game in uh, 2008, lost to Tennessee. In the uh, the, uh, national, I think she she lost in the semis in 09, uh, got to to the championship game in 2010, lost, got to the semis uh, 
in uh in in 2011 and then 2012. I think got to the semis again with in uh, Shanae Aglumake's senior year in 14. But I don't think they've been back in this in this in, in, in the semis in the final four since 2014. As Hector gives a prediction, Hector says UConn over Stanford 67-61. And I, I like I like the pr- previous comment. I'm torn because I'm a UConn fan living in Baylor country. Yeah, that must have been an interesting night for Hector yeah. living in a UConn fan living mm-hmm. in Waco. Oh yeah, yeah, that, oh yeah, that must have been that's definitely tough, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, you know, I think Sanford too was there in um, 18. Because I remember, I think it was at 18. Because I remember, you know, it was still when uh, Sam, you know, Katie Lou was there. When they, when they, when they, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But when they had the, when, when they had the Gluma case, they were there. They went to the final four every year. They just didn't win it. Yeah. When they had, yeah, you know, they, had, they had Shanae's older sister, and then they had Shanae. But when they were there, they they were in it every year. They just they just couldn't get it done. I think they had a Jenny Appel too as the big girl too. So they just they they were the team that always got to the final four in that era, but they just never could never could get it done. Because you remember in the off years of UConn's four national titles, they won it front they won it in. 09, oh, uh, they won it in 09 and 010, and they won it again in 2013 and 2016. The two off years, it was Brittany Griner and Baylor in 2012, and it was Texas A&M in 2011. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, the Baylor's just all – Sanford's just always been the team ever recently with Tyra Vanderveer, who has gotten there but just hasn't been able to finish. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. Yeah, because she's, she's done a heck of a job. Yeah, it always seems like they're there because this may be the year. Um, and then my last thing on this too is – I don't know if you saw this, but – so UConn now? This is their 21st Final Four. They only have 20 losses all the time in the NCAA tournament. It, it just, wow. Wow, it wow. Just, I, they, they probably – the most losses they have in the NCAA tournament are definitely in the national semifinal because they have 11 national titles, and they were in the Final Four 20 times. So they've lost eight times, eight times in the semifinal. So that's been that's been Geno's toughest round, but he definitely has – by far, the the he definitely has a pretty doesn't have a, a tough that tough of a matchup in the in the in the in the in the, in the, in the semifinal this year. But yeah, that's Geno's toughest game is that semifinal. If national championship, Geno's great in, but that semifinal, he always has trouble in. But I just think this year, in my personal opinion, I think that you know I think that South Carolina Stanford game that's going to be close. But I think South Carolina, uh, Dawn Staley's won a national title, won it in 2017. Uh, I think her experience, you know helps them there. And I think in the national championship game, I just think that the experience of South Carolina is going to win. That is going to be enough for them to get by UConn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Arizona will pull by. I, I think Stanford, Stanford's got some older girls too. And they, they have some size too, which I, I think could really bother UConn. Like they have this freshman cam brink. I think she's like six, four, six, five Haley Jones. I think is tall. They have another girl too. like six foot three. Um, I think the length of Stanford's going to bother them. Um, I, they got some older girls too. And, and, but yeah, UConn too, it's, you know, it's inexperienced. Like I think, you know, Olivia Nelson, Adoto was on the team two years ago. She's a junior. And I think Kristen Williams was a junior too. So that they, they're the, they're, they, they, they don't even have a senior on this team. I, so I, they're going to be great. And they probably, they'll probably win it the next three years, next three or four years. But this is the one year where they could, they, 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 they have a good chance of winning it, but they very easily might not win it. Yeah, yeah, you know, with yeah, with the fre- with the, the freshman they have, even though Paige plays like she's a senior. Um, you know, yeah, like the, you know, with inexperience, I could definitely kind of see that come back to haunt them. But um, you know, pulling out that game last, you know, the other night, I didn't think they were going to be able to do it. I don't think two, three years ago that team would have won. Um, so, so I, I think they have grown up a lot. So that's why I do think they, you know, have a chance to keep it close. But yeah, I, I don't. 
I, I you know, so um, we'd love to see him win another one, but yeah, it's a, it's a close one. And then I don't know that girl next year coming in, like Ozzy Feud or whatever, she was shooting like a three contest in a boot, and if she hit like a full rack, I'm just next year, third page, you're not yet. Oh, yeah. Next four years, don't be being like. Oh yeah, yeah. So which my my pick is South Carolina over UConn the national title game. What's yours? I got Stanford over UConn in close one. Got Stanford over UConn in a national title game. So we'll see whatever happens with the we'll see what happens with the women's tournament. Should be interesting. Final will be on Easter Sunday. It'll probably be UConn against Stanford or South Carolina. So that'll be a great game. But we got to get to the NFL, and it was a busy, busy last Friday was busy with trades, especially uh, teams jockeying for draft position, and and one team being in a very very good spot to draft their franchise quarterback. But we'll talk about that next after we have a promo from Clovercrest Media. I love. I love wiffle ball. No other way to explain it. Just something about the game, the feel of the grass, smacking the ball all over the field. Making plays, diving head first, whatever it takes to get the job done. That's what wiffle ball means to me. Striking out grown men, watching their knees buckle on a call third strike. Set out, bud. And then, of course, the home runs, the base hits, the big, big home runs at the big moments. That's a whiff of greatness. Join us all season long for the Joe Aguirre story, a CMG podcast. That is going to be really, really interesting right there. Obviously, Joe Aguirre with a whiff of greatness. That is going to be interesting. Right there. I mean, yes, we are close to opening day, but we'll get to that. But we got to get to the we got to get to the big trade in the uh, in the NFL on Friday. And Justin is back with us, and we got to get to the big trade in the NFL on Friday, and that is the 49ers uh, traded up with the Dolphins for the number three overall pick, uh, and 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 the uh, and the Niners traded the Dolphins a third round pick this year and first round picks in 2022 and 2023. And you know when you're trading up. Uh, to number three, and you're trading two first-round picks that you're taking a quarterback. That is obvious. So that signals that the Jimmy Garoppolo year is over with the 49ers. Now, in my opinion, with this pick, I- assuming that the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson number two. So say that tre- obviously we know Trevor Lawrence is going number one to the Jags. The Jets take Wilson at number two. I think that, in my personal opinion, I think that that they should take uh, Justin Fields. But I think the 49ers are going to take – Trey Lance. I think the pick is going to be Trey Lance because I think what they're going to do is they're going to play Garoppolo this year and then to have Trey Lance sit a year and learn and then bring Trey Lance in uh, maybe at the end of this season and then to start the 2022 season. So I think I think Kyle Chanahan is targeting having Trey Lance as their quarterback for the future. I know I hear a lot about Mac Jones, but I'm not buying it with Mac Jones because I still think that that the the, the uh, the dropback quarterback is a dinosaur. I still think it's a I think it's a dinosaur right now. Even though Brady won a Super Bowl. I think to be a successful dropback quarterback in this league, you got to be so good before the snap of the ball. And Tom Brady is. There's no one. There's no one that's going to come to the come into the league that is even close to Tom Brady's level at, at before the snap of the ball. So I think it's going to be. Uh, I think. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. I think the. I think they should take 
uh, Justin Fields with this pick because he's the most proven guy. Say Wilson and Lawrence are off the board, but I think they're going to take uh, Justin uh, uh, Trey Lance. But Justin, the question is: If you're Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, which quarterback do you go with? Assuming that Zach Wilson goes number two overall to the Jets, uh, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones? I get Justin Fields going the number three pick. Um, you know, I think yeah, because he's been right now the most proven quarterback out of the uh, of kind of the three that would be left out of Lance and um out of Lance and Jones. Um, but I would love, to, I think, you know, the way his mobility, um, we see him with his arm. I, you know, I know we, he's had kind of the inconsistencies. I know, you know, if he gets kind of a pass rush here, we, you know, there, there was times last year where he kind of gets frantic and throws the ball away. Um, but with his arm, I think, you know, um, but if he kind of gets in the right system and gets the right coaching, I feel like he, with his legs, he can kind of be like a Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson type. And I, I feel that, you know, if it all goes right for him, and I think that it, being going to the Niners, I think would fit really, really well for him. Um, I, I'd go with Justin Fields if you're in the 49ers. Yeah, I think I think I think uh, I think two two guys are probably going to two guys have a very good chance of succeeding in, in this league. Two of the two of the rookie quarterbacks. I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence just because of how good Trevor Lawrence is. And Urban Meyer, I think, is going to do really well in the draft, putting a team around him. Yeah, they might not be good good this year at all, but I think eventually the Trevor Lawrence is going to have a really good career with the Jaguars. He's finally going to be their franchise quarterback. And I think whatever quarterback goes to San Francisco, because of how good Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan is, as an, is as an offensive coach and the roster you're going to have around him. You're going to have a, a good offensive line. You're going to have a good running game. You're going to have a good defense. You saw this team get to the Super Bowl two years ago, and now they want to get rid of the quarterback. So I think – and that just shows you that the, the, the coaching and the roster around him is really good. So I think you're really, really set up to succeed if you go to the 49ers. Yeah, 100%. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, with, uh, yeah, um, with the run yet two years ago, and now you could, yeah, it's a great, you know, it's a great system that they have with Shanahan and Lynch. They're really, you know, again, they're some of the best in the league that they have. And yeah, you know, they cannot keep that going, getting rid you know, changing quarterbacks. And yeah, I, you know, and I think, yeah, they would not trade up if, if they did not have the guy in mind to think to be able to replace Jimmy Garoppolo, um, it, you know, because Jimmy's a, been a good quarterback. He, he hasn't been great. He's been hurt a lot, but. Because his durability is the reason they're moving on. Yeah. I don't think they're moving on because of his play. Yes, he's not a great quarterback, but they're not moving on because of his play. They're moving on because of his durability. Yeah, that would probably make – yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, they paid him a lot of money. He really has not been able to stay healthy um, for him. So, yeah, yeah. and if they would not be trading all this if they did not have their guy on mind. So, yeah, I think if whoever goes to the Niners and definitely Trevor Lawrence, I think we'll, we'll be able to succeed as a franchise quarterback. Yes, 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 yes. But late, but, but later in the day, and here we go. The 49ers are getting Justin Fields, baby. Kyle Shanahan and Justin Fields are going to be the best QB, uh, coach QB in the NFL. The, 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 the best ability is availability. Great point. Great point by, great point by, our, by our commenter there. Best ability is availability. That's a great and, – and, and that's the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo. The problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is he missed – you look at the 2018 season, he only played three games. You look at the two thousand, the two thousand and twenty season. He only played. Uh, he only in the two thousand twenty season. He only played half the season. The problem with the 49ers is when they haven't had good quarterback play, this team has struggled. But when they've had good quarterback play, this team has been one of the top teams in the league. And that's why I think you know it's a great point for our, great, uh, great uh, 
uh, comment comment here that the best ability is availability, and uh, and just if Justin Fields can stay available more than Jimmy Garoppolo, that's the route you got to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very common. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially in the NFL, quarterbacks matter so much. If you know they're out. You can't, you know, you're, you're going to have a hard time winning, especially in the NFC West. It's not a forgivable league, you know. You're, you're going to have to, uh, you're, you're going to need a starting quarterback to be out there all 16 weeks, 17 games now. But, yeah, they, they, they you know, they, they need somebody so healthy. Fields or, Fields or Lancer, Jones could be that guy. All right, here's a comment from Jace. I mean, he says, Jimmy G isn't great when he is healthy. They are also one of the top teams in the league. With with uh, Nick Bosa, not Jimmy G, healthy. Yeah, no, I say they're one because of their roster. I say that's what I mean. Their their front four is really good. They have one of the top defenses in the league when everybody's healthy, and they have a really good running game. But you cannot discredit what. Yes, I know Jimmy G had the game where he only threw eight passes in that in that uh in that NFC uh, in that NFC Championship game. But you cannot discredit that Jimmy G, when healthy, is a good quarterback. He won thirteen games. Uh, you remember that game against the Saints. They won that game 48 to 46, and they were down by double digits that year. They were down three times in the second half of that season against the against the Cardinals, against the Rams, against the Saints. They were down by double digits, and Jimmy G brought them back. And you look at the record when Jimmy G plays and when he doesn't play, and try to tell me he's not a good quarterback. I mean, let's let's be real. And I think if the Patriots went out and got Jimmy Garoppolo, they they would be Super Bowl contenders. That would clearly be an upgrade over Cam Newton. So just to say that Jimmy G, I, I, yeah, I get that that he that he isn't great, but you can't say he's not good, a good quarterback when he's healthy. Yeah, you know, he's good. I wouldn't put him, you know, top ten, but yeah, you know, I think he's been a boy. He's been a good quarterback, you know, in a tough NFC. And West. Good comment. Good comment by Hector. Jimmy G, twenty-two and eight when he starts, and you look at the record when he when he hasn't started since Kyle Shanahan's been there. That the Niners are way under five hundred. Yeah, yeah. You look at last year when they missed like the you know, you know, miss miss time. You know, yeah, they they show those second half of the year. So yeah, you know. Yeah, he's not good. I, they have a great roster around, but yeah, you know, I said it, you know, a few minutes ago. You're not, you can't succeed in this league. You don't have your starting quarterback. He, or if you don't have a good enough starting quarterback, he's been good enough, you know, to get to see in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, yeah, he's had some, yeah, you know, that 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 game down at yeah, New Orleans last year was, you know, to go down there and go beat Drew Brees in a shootout. You know, I, I think for me kind of proves enough that he can get it done in this league. If Jimmy G is the quarterback of the 49ers, they're in the playoffs this year. The Bears are not that number seven seed. They're that number seven seed. So for everybody oh. that says that Jimmy Garoppolo is not that good, then the 49ers are in the playoffs this year if Jimmy Garoppolo plays the full season. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, if they're the seven seed, they they may probably beat the, the Saints. I mean, they would have given them a game. game. They would have given them a yeah. game. I guarantee you that. They would have given them a game. Better game than the Bears yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, one they definitely would have. So yeah, you know, he he's been good enough in this league, you know. And um if he could stay healthy, then I I would love to see him come back to New England. That that'd be fine with me. You know, I think as long as he'd be healthy. Um he he's been good enough to succeed in this league. Twenty two and eight, I think kind of all you really need to know. I you know, at a at time I think it would be thirteen and all or fourteen and all, but he's been good enough. Absolutely, absolutely. So now we'll get to the Dolphins, who uh, later in the day ended up trading up to get trading back into the top ten and getting the number six pick. As they as uh, they got the number uh, six pick and they got the Eagles' fifth round pick this year, and then the Dolphins traded their 2022 first round pick they got from the Niners to the Eagles. So the Eagles are going to have two first two first round picks, maybe even three first round picks if Carson Wentz plays uh, 
more than 70% of the snaps for the Colts. But looking at it for the Dolphins, uh, I think this is, this is they have a great opportunity to get an elite skill guy, a skill guy that you're going to have to game plan around. They, they, have a, they, they, they pretty much, if the Bengals don't take you know Kyle Pitts at five, they're going to have their choice of Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, uh, Devontae Smith, or Jalen Waddle. So that's really, really good to get a, to get an elite weapon for Tua. Uh, I, I, and they have a, and they obviously have a first round pick in 2020, two first round picks in 2023. So I, I, I really, really like this move for the Dolphins. I think they're going to take a skill guy at that position. But the question is, Justin, if you're the Dolphins and say Bengals take Penny Sewell at number five, so all four of the top skill guys are available, would you take Kyle Pitts, Shamar Chase, Devontae Smith, or Jalen Waddle? I think you got to take Kyle Pitts because when do you ever see a tight end come out of the draft that this good and this dominant? You know, he's six foot six. He ran a 4.4 today, you know, in his pro day. Um, he, you know, he's a serviceable run blocker. He's got to get a bit better at that, but he's good enough, you know, it, it, he's good enough right now. And you can do so many things with him. You know, he can play on, the, he can play down um, on the line. He can play in the slot. He can play out wide. Like you could throw him all over the field. Um, and, he can, he's a wide receiver pretty much, you know, at six foot six, six foot six in the way he runs. He's going to be, a, he's going to be a possible takedown. I don't know what linebackers to be able to guard him. Corners aren't going to be able to guard him. So I I think you got to go Kyle Pitts here. He, you know, it's, I think this guy is going to be really, really good. Yeah. I would go with Kyle Pitts if he's available. I think that's where the Dolphins go just because he's the he's the best skill guy available. Uh, play 12 personnel with him and Mike Kosecki. I think that'd be a great, great, that'd be the best tight end combination in the league if you put Kosecki and Pitts together. I think that would be really exciting. Also, though, if Pitts is gone, I think they go Devontae Smith. I'd like Jamar Chase better than Devontae Smith, but I think they go Devontae Smith just because of the chemistry that Smith and Tua have. But we got to we got to talk about the Eagles, and I think this 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 move this me this move means for the Eagles that they're clearly in rebuild mode. There's a chance that you know one of those four guys, Waddle, Smith, Pitts, or Chase, could fall to them at twelve. Not not a not a great chance, but this gives them extra draft picks in 2022. They potentially could have three draft picks in 2022, so they could build the, they could build this they, they could this year see if Jalen Hurts is the guy, and then if he is the guy, they could build this team around Jalen Hurts in 2022. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know. Um... Yeah, tearing it down for the Eagles. Um, just yeah, build up. I know you know drafting. They've been decent at. The, I think they got to get a little bit better with these next few picks with this rebuild. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully you know it'll be cool. I you know I could see one of them fall down to um, twelve that they can grab for an elite a skill guy. But yeah, it's kind of tear it down for the Eagles. It's you know you kind of figured. After, you know, trading once and all that, it, even I guess before, at the end of the year, kind of figured, it, you know, again, probably Ertz is going to be on the move soon. So, yeah, it's build up the draft pick time for Philly. Again, in, in the division right now where everybody else in the division is trying to kind of figure things out, the Giants are, are going in the right direction. But, like, Washington still got – they still got – its offense got better. Dallas Stevens got better. So, it's probably a good time right now for Philly. Absolutely. And before we get to, to the next NFL topic, we'll, we'll, we'll read another comment. Uh, Jimmy G being hurt has limited his ceiling uh, and uh, just limited his ceiling and playing time under the Shanahan system. The Niners can't risk another season of losing Jimmy to another injury or and having poor quarterback play. And that's absolutely right, because if they if they did, if the Niners didn't make this move to trade up and they had another season where Garoppolo got hurt, Shanahan and Lynch's jobs, they because they, they get on the hot seat because. That's that, that could potentially be the fourth losing season in five years under this regime. 
yes, the one year year they did get to the Super Bowl, but if they have another year where Jimmy G got hurt, they had another losing season, that would have been their fourth fourth losing season in five years under this regime. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You're, you're right about that, yeah. So, yeah, and, and your jobs are on the line. Um, in the NFL, it's a quick turnaround. And, you know, it's a quick turnaround if you're not winning. You know, they, you get, you know, you're, you, you lose your job pretty quickly. So yeah, it just they couldn't yeah they couldn't risk and it, and an FC and an NFC West too where yeah you can't win eight or nine you know you can't you know you're gonna have to win double digit games to have any chances division so yeah they couldn't really yeah they can't they couldn't take the risk anymore so it's good move for the Niners absolutely absolutely so we got to get to this topic and yesterday the NFL approved that they have added a 17th game to the schedule. As fans, I think we really like it because it's more football for us. But as players, they don't seem to like it uh, because Alvin Kamara was not happy about it. Adrian Amos wasn't happy about it. But the thing for the players is this is what you agreed on last year. So I know you don't like it, but you agreed on it. So I think as players, there's really nothing you could do than just you got to go out there and play that 17th game because this was something you agreed on. So I I, I think that they got to go out there. And they got to, and, and and yes, this is great for the fans. The players don't really like it, but for the players, what can you do? You agreed on it. Yeah, I don't know why the players. Now it's probably because they want more money, you know, because it's they're gonna get more, you know, an extra paid or you know, they'll get paid an extra week now, or whatever, because their point. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't get why they agreed upon this, because you know, uh, it. I know they're trying to build the team, but. I don't I, – I wasn't a big fan of the move, I guess, yeah, for their player standpoint. Uh, more wear and tear, it, you know. I know they're getting rid of one preseason game. I know it's still 20 games in total, but it's It doesn't matter, by. though. There's a, ma- there's a major difference between the, a for- the fourth preseason game and an extra regular season yeah. game. That's a, a complete – that's a major, major difference. So I get where the players are coming from. Yeah, because now – yeah, because it's like yeah, you buy by week start like, what, week four? So it's like you could play, you know – um, you can play three and you, you, yeah, you can play 14 straight weeks. It's just, you know, players health and then who knows for the playoffs. It's like, yeah, you could play week or have by week four. And then, you know, week one of the playoffs, it's like your 15 straight week, week of playing. Like I, I, you know, you could see, yeah, some of the, you know, injuries, guys are just worn down because they played so much without, you know, some days off. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah, it, it's just, yeah, it's a major difference uh, between, uh, with, with the, with the play. It's, it's definitely a difference with taking a preseason game away and adding a regular season, major, major difference there. And yeah, for fans, we love it, but for, uh, for the players, they're, they, they don't like it that much because it adds an extra game. And if, and yes, one more NFL game does make a difference because that definitely risks injury. I mean, another a regular season game could definitely risk injury for players and, and for a team that's going into the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the 17th game. But we'll talk about the opponents the Pats and Giants have in that 17th game. And first I'll talk about the Giants, and they will be heading to Miami to play that 17th game. And, and personally, I mean, I like the fact that it's the 17th game, but I don't really like the opponent the Giants are playing in that 17th game because the Dolphins are a good team, and they're a playoff team. Brian Flores has turned things around. They, they look, they're hoping to have a franchise quarterback in, in, in Tua. They're probably going to add either Kyle Pitts, uh, Jamar Chase, uh, Devontae Smith, or Jalen Waddles. That's going to be a really tough game for the Giants. If you look at it compared to the game that the uh, that the Eagles have against the Jets, I'm not happy about it because you could argue that's probably going to be an added win for the Eagles and could potentially be a, a loss for the Giants. But I want to ask you this question, Justin. 
What do you think of your Patriots hosting the Cowboys in that 17th game? I think you like it. Yeah, I do. Um, with their defense, I, I think you know they. I think it could be one of those games where they make Cam Newton look like an MVP. Yeah, you know? um, <laughs> depending on what happens. But and that yeah, run defense I, too. I think I think Belichick's yeah. going to run the ball down their throats. Obviously, yeah. that coaching staff's not going to make any adjustments. And I yeah. th- I I do think that's that this. Is, I think you guys are going to get an extra. I think my team's going to get get a loss to the Dolphins. And I think your team at home against Dallas, who's a mediocre team in the NFC, I think you're going to get an extra win. Yeah, you know, I can we can we schedule this to like week 16 too? Yeah. Nice, you know, snowy game. Yeah, just run the ball down their throats. That that'd be great. And um, uh Hector just made a point about the schedule. Uh Super Bowl uh is pushed back to Valentine's weekend. Yes. And I'll actually be in Florida during that. I have a wedding that weekend. Nice. So I'll be down in the keys during that Super Bowl. Nice. Hey, yeah. That'll be a busy week down there. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh I, I like it. You know, I think, you know. Would love to see it mid December. Um, again, I think it will be an added one for us. It could help. Obviously, you know, we will probably have to be cheering for you know whenever these. You know, <laughs> that's, these the thing, that's the thing. That'll be the one day I actually have to cheer for the Patriots in a game. Yeah. I don't cheer for the yeah, Patriots yeah. much, but I have to cheer for the Patriots in that game. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to be cheering for the Giants, too, which is weird. So. Which is weird yeah, for any Patriot fan. It's very weird. I don't, you know. Um, yeah, I wish they kind of, and I know it's impossible to do this, but I wish they were able to like do like a geographic rival for. I know. I wish they did patch. I actually, honestly, I'd rather play the Patriots than play the than play the Dolphins. And you probably would rather. Actually, you're probably happy with the matchup. You probably yeah, wouldn't, like wouldn't really want to see the Giants. You probably are happy with the matchup you have against Dallas. Yeah, I, I, the Giant Patriots game probably one. that'd be an ugly great. game. That yeah, yeah. that'd probably be winning a twenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, 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 that's a tough one for you. It's a tough pick for you, but I, I actually, I think it's pretty obvious for Giants fans. I think we'd rather play the Patriots, to be honest. I think they're the Dolphins are a better football team than the Patriots. I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather, uh, I would rather play the Patriots in that seventeenth game than the, than the Dolphins. Yeah, I don't know how much we'd score on your defense. I, I don't know how much we probably would not have any passing yards against your secondary. So I, I'd probably yeah. get the, I'd probably like the Cowboys. You know, they, yeah. who's Cam Newton stats of this? That game? Exactly, exactly. Yes, Cam. Cam Newton stats will get a bump, uh, a bump, definitely, definitely get a bump this season just because they had its 17th game. But lastly, we got to talk about the, uh, the the matchup this creates. This creates a great quarterback matchup, and that's between Patrick Mahomes. Hopefully, we see this quarterback matchup because two years ago we didn't because Mahomes was hurt. But it creates a matchup between Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, and we know that game is going to either be a 4:25 Fox game or a Sunday night game. That is certain. Oh yeah, 100. Yeah, we all. Unfortunately, we couldn't see it. Thought maybe we could see it as a Super Bowl game this year, but you if know, Matt Lafleur, you know, actually goes for it, maybe we would have. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? That would have been great to see those two in the Super Bowl. But yeah, yeah. Hopefully, this is final of the year. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, one of the best of all time. You know, hopefully, he gets another ring. Patrick Mahomes, one of the biggest rising stars in the game. Pretty much already is, you know, is a star already. Um, he's been terrific. So yeah, that you know. That should be an absolute shootout and probably winner to whoever's got the ball last to win that game. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got to get to baseball because opening day is tomorrow, and we are going to do our preview, and we're going to start with our team. We're going to start with the Yankees. You know, going into this season, there's high expectations for this team. You know, this team has been knocking on the door the last four years, and they have not reached the World Series. Two losses in the ALCS to the Astros in 17, 2017 and 2019. 
and then two losses in the division series to our AL East rivals, the Red Sox in 2018 and the Rays in 2000 in, in uh, 2020. So this team has been knocking on the door to get to a World Series. I think this team is clearly not only the best team. And I, I think the American League is weak this year, but I think this team is clearly the best team in the AL East, and I think it's clearly the best team in the American League. I think obviously Garrett, getting Garrett Cole. Uh, obviously with this lineup, you know, this lineup with Judge, with Stanton, with Glaber, with uh, obviously they'll have Luke Voigt out for a for uh, for a month. Uh, Gary Sanchez has got to step uh, this is the year for Joe's guy. Gary Sanchez has got to step up. Uh, I think this lineup is really, really, is really good. I think this lineup is one of the top lineups in the league. Uh, the rotation, we know Garrett Cole's going to be great, but the question is can – uh, what what are the two, three, four, and five guys g- going to do? Because Paxton went to the Mariners, uh, Jay Happ went to the Twins, and Tanaka went back to Japan. So it's a new, pretty much a new rotation this year. Uh, we uh, obviously getting Corey Kluber, getting uh, uh, Talon from uh, from the Pirates, uh, getting uh, get it obviously with Herman coming back, and you got Jordan Montgomery, and you're hoping to get Severino back sooner than uh, sooner than later. So I think this rotate. The big question, the, the biggest question for the Yankees is is uh, the depth of the bullpen and the depth of the rotation, and can this lineup stay healthy? Because Voight's already hurt, and we all know the history of injuries with Judge and Stanton. So the big question is, is really, can this team stay healthy? Because if it does, we will probably see this team in the World Series for the first time in 12 years. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, it's definitely the best team in the American League, best team in the American League East by far right now. We're uh, not by far in the American League East, but – uh, you know, they, they should be able to win this division. Uh, we're easily with, you know, yeah, Gary, Gary had a hot start to this game. And then I know he's four for his last 32 with like 16 strikeouts. So um, he, he's got to get it going. You know, again, he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. Um, losing Justin Wilson, that bullpen kind of hurts for now. Um but yeah, you know, the starter, you know, Herman's had a pretty good spring. Jordan Montgomery's looked pretty good this spring. So again, hopefully those two could step up. You know, I know they're going to take it easy with Tyon and, and Kluber kind of with both of them having pit, you know, not pitching last year. They're going to take it easy with them, you know, but again, with Boyd out, um, again, they're going to have to rely on Jerry Bruce for a month. Hopefully Clint now is an everyday guy can produce and then I heard judges saying too they did a lot more yoga than actually weight training this offseason so hopefully that makes a difference but we'll see but yeah you know again if they don't get to the world series I think you they got to make a manager change if they do not it's inexcusable if they don't get to a uh world series this year yeah they need to get over the hump or Boone's gone because Boone pretty much uh helped that pretty much uh was a reason why they didn't get past the Rays in the division series, pulling Debbie Garcia in that game. That made no sense. Pulling Debbie Garcia and putting J.A. Happ in. Game two was on Aaron Boone. That loss was on Aaron Boone last year. So, yes, the Yankees need to get to the World Series. And for Voight's injury, this is where this lefty-righty nonsense needs to stop. I Stop it with the lefty-righty nonsense. All you baseball geeks, stop with the lefty-righty nonsense, okay? Would you rather have uh, Luke Voigt and have a bunch of righties or have Jay Bruce who can't hit at all? So stop it with this lefty-righty stuff. I, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I don't care. If the guy can hit, the guy can hit. I don't want to see and, – and you know we're going to probably see Aaron Hicks in the middle of Aaron Judge because you know what the lineup's going to be. It's going to be LeMayu. It's going to be Judge. And we're going to have Aaron Hicks sandwiched right in between Giancarlo Stanton and uh, Aaron Judge, which annoys me a ton. Stop it with this lefty-righty stuff. So that's the thing. They're going to miss Voight. Stop, stop giving me the excuse, oh, oh, you know, Jay Bruce is a lefty. He's going to help the lineup. Stop it. If the guy can hit, he can hit. Enough of the lefty-righty stuff. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Jay, Jay, this is not 10 years ago, Jay Bruce, when he was with Cincinnati and actually doing pretty well. This is 40-year-old Jay Bruce that was going to get caught until Luke Voigt got hurt. So, yeah, they, they, you know, I, and Luke Voigt led the American League last year in home runs. He had a great year, you know. Again, I thought he should have got more MVP, you know, uh, should have been in the running more for MVP, but yeah, he, he was great last year because again, that whole lineup was hurt again and he kind of um, gave it some stability. So yeah, it's obviously Luke Boyd's going to be a huge, uh, a huge loss here in the first month and I think they played Toronto like six or seven times and Tampa Bay six or seven times. So um, it's not going to be the end of the month, you know, and it's tough that you already lose Luke for a month. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of Tampa Bay and Toronto, my expectations, I still have Tampa Bay ahead of Toronto. I still have them as one of my one of my wild card teams. I have Tampa Bay as a, as, a, as a wild card. I do have Toronto missing the playoffs. I think the big reason why I have Tampa, still have Tampa Bay in the playoffs is I trust that manager. Even though he made a terrible move last year, pulling Blake Snell out of that game in the World Series, I do trust Kevin Cash. You, you remember the expectation they had going to 2018 weren't good. That team almost won 90 games and almost made the, and, and just missed the playoffs. I think even without Snell, and with the and without more, and I think the team's going to figure it out because Kevin Cash is so good at using his bullpen, good at using openers. I think he's going to patch together a team and they'll, that that could make a get a wild card spot. And look at this; I think their offense going to be better. Like a Rose Arena is going to make get a step up this year. I think offensively, the Rays are going to be better. So I do have the Rays as a playoff team, and the Blue Jays I think are another. You know, I think they're going to be close to a playoff team. They're going to be very close between the Rays and and, and and the Blue Jays for that second wild card spot. I think the Twins get the first wild card spot. It's going to, I think it's going to be close between. The, the Rays and the Blue Jays for that second wild card spot. I think the Blue Jays will be competing for it, but I think the biggest issue with the Blue Jays is is we know we know their lineup is great. They added George Springer. They have one. Of, they have a top five lineup in the game with Springer, with uh, with Guerrero, with uh, with BGO, with Bichette, and with Gurriel. So this is a top five lineup in the game. But the problem is is depth of rotation really outside of Rue. They don't have anyone else that's really that good. And their bullpen losing Kirby Yates. That's a big big loss for the Blue Jays. I, the bullpen is going to be. What's going to keep the Blue Jays out of the playoffs? So I got the Rays a little bit better than the Blue Jays this year. Yeah, uh, it was it was close for me. I do have the Rays, like, you know, I would say beating, like, the Blue Jays by a game or two for the second wild card. I need to be really close, but, yeah. The one that, yeah, did it for me was Kirby Yates the other day. When they lost him, it, they don't have much, you know. You can't have Hunjin Ru pitch every day, so – I think that's where they're really going to struggle. And Robbie Ray, I, you know, got hurt too. And I guess he was having a pretty decent spring, I think, too. So um, I forget how long he's out. But, yeah, they, you know, Jordan Romano now is going to have to step up. You know, Tyler Chatwood, who was good six, seven years ago, he's not he's not great anymore. So, yeah, I think the depth of that bullpen um, is really – especially the first month, too, they're going to be playing down their spring training site. So, and I, you know, that, that could be a um, launching pad down there. So, um could be some very long games, but um, yeah, with Tampa, it's Kevin Cash. I, I'm excited to see Chris Archer come back. I, and you know, I wonder if they can fix him to get him back to where he was formed. You know, when he was down there with Glass. Now, um, you know, again, losing Nick Anderson is going to hurt in that bullpen. But again, it's it's they had nine guys out last year in the bullpen, and they still got the votes here. So I'm not worried. You know, like, and then Michael Waka, and then Rich Hill, who always gives you five good innings. Like, you can always rely on Rich Hill to give you five strong. So, yeah, you know, we'll see if Rose Arena could kind of continue what he did last year. Um, G-Man Choi is going to be out for, like, the first month. Um, you know, I, I guess Austin Meadows looks really good, too. Um, you know, after kind of – I think it was COVID last year that really um, kind of bothered his season. And 
So he looks good. So we'll see what this lineup could do. But yeah, I think with Kevin Cash and just every year, Tampa's always a threat. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the best organizations in baseball. But before we move on to the to the AL Central, we got to talk about the Red Sox. I think this team is in full. Re- I'm not saying because I'm a Yankee fan and I can't and I hate the Red Sox. I'm just saying to, just to be realistic. I think this team is in is in re- still in, still rebuilding. I think I like the lineup. I like Bogarts. I like Devers. I like I like Bogarts, Devers, and JD. I think uh, I think Verdugo could hit for average. I think Renfro's Renfro's got some pop. I I don't mind this lineup. I think this could be a team that that finishes in the top ten and runs scored. I don't mind the fact they got Alex Cora back. But the issue is is they don't have any pitching. Any pitching. Chris Sale. They're going to go. They're, they're taking Chris Sale slow. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez already is already is is out for is not going to start the season in the rotation. Nathan Avaldi is their uh, is their uh, game is their opening day starter. The bullpen. They really haven't figured out who the closer is going to be. So when you have questions in the rotation and in the bullpen, you know I I just cannot pick you to be a team that's going to be over five hundred. Yes, a lot of people want to compare this to the two thousand thirteen Red Sox. Here's the deal about the 2013 Red Sox. They had really good starting pitching with Buck Holtz, Lester, and Lackey can't bounce back that year. And their closer was perfect. He was 48 for 48. Uh, you, Koji, Koji was 48 for 48 that year. So just too many question marks in the rotation, the bullpen, for me to have this team over 500. I think this is like a seven. Uh, this is like a 75 win team for me. I got the Red Sox clearly finishing in fourth place in the AL East. Yeah, I got them four too. I think you know they could slug their way to winning games. I think that's gonna have to. They they had the best average last year in the American League at like two sixty five. It wow. was you know they got up to the slow start. They finished they you know started eight and sixteen. They finished sixteen and sixteen. So you would um, know that because you did their games. I think I I, I was yeah. checked out once they once once the Yankees swept them in like the middle of like August. Yeah. I was checked out. I think I watched like. A one Red Sox game the rest of the year when they played the Yankees in September. So yeah, I was checked out very early on the Red Sox last year. Well, lucky you. Well, I <laughs> yeah. stunk, so they they stunk. So I guess it wasn't terrible, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, um, yeah. You know, the one pitcher I'm excited to kind of watch this year for him is Tanner Hoard. That um, that that rookie. I remember seeing him against the Yankees last year. I saw him like three or four times. He throws like a right-handed Chris Sale. Oh really? And, that, wow. and that's why. Yeah, he's got um. He's got a slider too. Like he, you know, he was tough to beat last year. Um, he, yeah, he's three and zero. His ERA was under one with like twenty one strikeouts. He pitched well. Um, you know, I think he could be a really bright spot again for the Red Sox. But um, yeah, I love that the Hunter Renfro signing. I thought it was a really good one for him because of the of you know of his um power and his pull. Yeah, his pull hitting to that short porch out there. He could so, be like that Johnny Gomes signing in thirteen. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that happening. Comparable, yeah. Launch. Yeah, him launching like 20, 25 home runs. So, yeah, you know, they got a really nice lineup. It's the pitching and, you know. Pitching I is guess, terrible. The pitching yeah. is absolutely terrible, and the bullpen is very, very inconsistent. Yep. And, that's and you, can't, I, I, you can't be a successful team in baseball with that. No. It just can't no. happen. No, because that's they struggled with that a lot. Yeah, a lot last year. They could not finish games. You know, they, they had like five or six closers at one point. They, you know, they were trying everybody, somebody new every night. Yeah, it didn't work. it just can't happen. Can't happen. No. Yeah, so no, I got them in fourth place this year. And obviously, the Orioles are going to be in, in are still in rebuild mode. But we got to get to the AL Central. And my preview of the AL Central is: I think this is a two team division between the White Sox and the Twins. I think for the for the White Sox, I think this lineup is really good. Obviously, we got Jose Abreu. You got you got uh, Tim Anderson in, in this lineup. Unfortunately, they're going to have Eloy Jimenez out, but you also have Yoan Mancada. This is this is one of the the, the the top lineups in the game. This is a really really good lineup. Won't be as good without Jimenez, but the pitching. Is where, where they where they really improved was the pitching signing Lance Lynn. Now you got him, Giolito, 
and Keuchel as your one, two, three. That's very solid. And then you have uh, obviously getting Liam Hendricks is a big, big, big pickup there. So now you have one of the top bullpens in the game, and you got a you got a manager. We'll see if he's a dinosaur. Or we'll see if he's with it in today's game in Tony Larusa because he hasn't managed in a decade. The last time he managed, the Cardinals won the World Series in 2011. So I think that the White Sox win this division because I think they're the most, even without Jimenez, I think they're the most solid team in this division. Uh, as a wild card, I got the Twins. I think the problem with the Twins is they have a pretty good lineup at the problem and a pretty good bullpen. The problem is they don't have an ace. Maeda and uh, uh, Bar- Barrios are twos, not one. So I have the Twins as a wild card. Cleveland. I just don't think losing Lindor, they're going to do enough offensively. And I don't think they have enough depth in the rotation either. Shane Bieber won the Cy Young last year, but you saw what Shane Bieber was. You saw Shane Bieber against the Yankees in the playoffs. He was absolutely terrible. I think he's, I think he's overrated. And uh, I think he's a good pitcher. He's not a great pitcher. So I think that, uh, and I think that the Royals and Tigers are rebuilding. So for, uh, uh, for the, for, for this division, I got the White Sox winning it and the twins getting the wild card, but Justin, who is a team outside of the White Sox? And this is a pretty obvious question that could win this division. I actually went with one that's kind of down towards the bottom. Really, really? I went with KC. Really, really, really? Wow. I wow. really like this line. I think they could, you know, I, I think they could make some noise with that lineup. I love the Andrew Benatendi signing or trade. Um, Carlos Santana signing. Salvador Perez really had a good year last year. They just re-signed him. Hunter um, Dozier. Dozier, yeah. Alberto yeah, Mondesi, too. Yep, Montesi with the speed. You know, Whit Merrifield they still have. Corey Soler. Then I heard um, their top prospect, Bobby Wood Jr., has had a heck of a spring, too. It sounds like he uh, he may get called up probably maybe in a month or so if, if they need him. Then I worry is the pitching. You know, Brett Keller's going to be their number one. It's scary. They have Mike Miner, but he was awful last year. Can he get back to kind of his form? If they can find some pitching, Greg Holland was great last year as a closer. Um, I, you know, I, I think Royals can make some noise if, if the line, you know, I, I think they could score enough runs. I like two other Royals are actually trying to go for here, not like every other rebuild team. They went out, they tried to, they're trying at least, and I, and I, I'll give them credit, and I think it could pay off for the Kansas City Royals. So I think it's pretty obvious. My next question is, who's going to be that sleeper team? I bet it's the no-name team in the division. Yeah, yeah, I, that's my yeah, KC. Um, I could actually switch, you know, I, I'll go like, yeah, yeah, I'll go, um, I'll give you another, I'll go like Cleveland, you know, yeah. I, I could see Cleveland still make, make, making a run at this thing. Um, did get Rosario, yeah. did get Eddie Rosario. I like that. He's been in the division. Um, you know, he's still, you know, with Ramirez, could somebody kind of help out? There's Jose no protection. There's no protection. And I just can't get that start that Bieber had against the Yankees out of my head. It just, yeah. he faced a bunch of. AL Central and NL Central teams last year. I like Shane Bieber, but I don't think he's he's a DeGrom or a Garrett Cole. He's not that kind of pitcher, in my opinion. No, yeah, no. He really – yeah, he struggled, you know. Pleasak looked good, but then, the, you know, like McKenzie's going to be their fourth or fifth guy. He's one of the top prospects, but can you count on him right away? Um, you know, they lost Brad Hand in the closer role. You know, I, I'm looking to see, like, a Josh Naylor. Could he kind of be a big – can be a bright spot, you know, Framo Reyes. And then Roberto Perez had his best year in 2019, like 22 home runs, like 70 RBIs or something like that. So if they can get production on him out of the catcher spot, it's always a positive. So, and Frank Cora is, you know, is back too. So I could see the Indians making some noise, but, um, you know, especially in the, you know, um, but yeah, I'll take, you know, I get Cleveland to be a sleeper. So we'll go to the – oh, by the way, who do you got winning the division? I got Chicago and I got the Twins as a wild card. 
Yeah, I got um, the White Sox to win it. Um, I do think the Twins sneak in as a wild card spot as well. Uh, okay. We go to the AL West. And in this division, I think the uh, – yes, I know people don't like the Astros because they cheated. And uh, uh, here, here's, here's another move. What do you think of the Rangers moving on from Ruvnet Odor? They will have to pay $27 million owed to him in the final two years unless they work out a trade. I just think Hector, you got to, you got to, you got to. He's not a great average hitter. He's a good power hitter. I think you just gotta, you gotta find a way to, you know, if you got to cut bait, you just got to cut bait with them. Even though if you're rebuilding right now, if you got to pay him the money, you got to pay him the money. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, get him off the cap. It just, yeah, it's gonna be tough to treat him with that contract, and he's kind of been down the last few years. It's, uh, yeah, it's tough. I know he's been like the second baseman in the last seven, eight years, so it's tough too because he can't really play different position either so um yeah he's a great power hitter just hasn't been able to get it done um yeah as an average guy it's unfortunate it's gonna be tough to treat him but uh you know he's been a good player there been in those you know those runs um playoffs the last year but yeah it's a tough one yes 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 and, and moving on to the AL West talk about the division I think the team yes a lot of people don't like him because they cheated uh, uh, they've cheated, but I think the Astros are the best team in the division, even though they might not have Verlander this year. They'll still have Granky. Age is the question with Granky, and they'll still have McCullers at the top of that rotation. Uh, I think the lineup is still really good. We'll see how great that this lineup really is this year, because last year was a 60-game season. wasn't a big sample size. The last four years, they stole signs and cheated, but we'll see how great this lineup is this year with Correa, with Altuve, with Bregman, with Alvarez. Well, they did lose George Springer, so the lineup will not be as good, but I still think it's going to be one of the top 10 lineups in the game. Uh, pitching still will be good. Bullpen, not as good, but yeah, this is an Astro team that will be as will be as good as it's been, but I still think this will be an Astro team that will win the division, and, I don't think, and outside of that, I don't think there's going to be any more playoff teams. The A's, they gave up Liam Hendricks. They lost Liam Hendricks, their closer. I think that's going to be a loss because the bullpen was a, was the biggest reason why they won the division last year. They also lose Marcus Simeon to the Blue Jays. Uh, so hey, I know you like one of the, we'll get to that. I know you like one of their players on their team. We'll get to that later. Uh, so I think that uh, I think the A's don't make the playoffs. I think the Angels, yes, they have Mike Trout. Yes, they have Anthony Rendon. But I don't think they have enough pitching. I think they'll be in contention. But I, well, I like Joe Madden as the manager, but I don't think they have enough pitching. So I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And then. I like Kyle Lewis for the Mariners, but they're rebuilding. And the Rangers, yes, we talked about the outdoor situation, but I think at this point the Rangers are clearly rebuilding. So I got the Astros winning the division and no one else making the playoffs. But, Justin, who is a team outside of the Astros that can win this division? Um, that's, I, th I got the Oakland A's. You can never count those guys out. That's the thing. You can never count out the Oakland A's. Uh, yeah, I know they got rid of um, um, Chris Davis, too. He's with the Rangers now. Um Hendricks is gone. I like the Trevor um, Rosenthal sign. He was good last year. He's year is under two. Uh, again, I think like Sean Manaya, I think he's going to bounce back this year. Um, yeah, I you know Matt Chapman, I think could have a huge year. Um, you know, I um, that lineup's always good. I like Mitch Moreland too to the signing as uh, a DH. Bob Melvin's a great manager. Um, the A's are always competitive, and in a West that's very wide open. I'm going to take the A's. I think they can get it done in this division. Who is the sleeper team in the division that you think is going to be able to compete for, for could I, compete in this division? I think it could be the LA Angels. Um, I'm hearing, you know, I know people, you know, Shoei Otani's having, I think, he, I guess he's killing it right now in spring training. Um, you, obviously, you have Trout. Um, Dilly Bundy, could he, could he continue what he bit off last year? Because he was great last year. 
um, for the team. You know, Jared Walsh really stepped up as a rookie last year. Um, you got Randon still, um, obviously pooled, but again, he's not playing much anymore. Can I, I you know, if the pitching, if if guys like a um, if Joe Way can say healthy, if a Andrew Haney, a Griffin Canning, um, you know, they got a new closer, Rafael Iglesias too. If their bullpen and pitching can find a way, I think the Angels could be competitive and and um, find their way into a division title. And obviously, you've got the Astros winning the division. I got the Oakland A's. Ooh, I the, ooh, ooh, ooh. I got nice. them in the third spot in the, nice, AL, nice, the American nice. League. Nice, nice. You got the A's winning the AL West. We're going to go to the analyst. First, though, we're going to talk about the Lindor contract. And uh, Lindor, as you heard, turned down a 10-year, uh, $325 million deal from the Mets. Steve Cohen's been talking about it. Now he's got a counteroffer of 12 years, uh, $384 million. million. And we got a comment from Hector. A's have been successful when their young pitchers have stepped forward. So outside of the Astros, it could be the, a- it could be the A's. And very good point, Hector. The A's have a very good, still have a very good chance of winning the division. I, I do trust that system with Billy Bean. So a good point by Hector there on the Billy A's. Billy Bean's gone. Oh, he's, he is? He's, he's, he's he left to go work with the Fenway group, I think. Oh, oh, really? Oh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, he, er, yeah it's not that, yeah. Wow, he's wow. gone. Wow. So, yeah, you trust the A's system. So if it's not the uh, if it's not the Astros, it'll probably be the A's in that division. But, uh, yeah, in the NL East, uh, with, with the Mets, with Lindor, I mean, 10 years, uh, 300 and uh, – and $25 million. then he the, he rejects that. He wants a 12-year, $385 million deal. Uh, if you're the Mets, and Peter Alonzo said, just give it to him to make to, just to make the signing worth it. But I don't know if you give a position player all that money. Yeah, it, it's it's a tough call, you know. He's 27, I believe. Um, and he's a smaller guy, too. So it's like, can he, can he, you know, can he stay healthy for the, you know, next, by, you know, for the next decade, 11 years, you know. By the time near this end, you know, by the end of his contract times, or it, it's kind of near finished, you know, it obviously he's not going to be the same player, but can he stay, um, you know, can he stay somewhat productive and stay, stay somewhat on the field? I think it's a tough one. But yeah, you gave up, you know, good pieces for him. I, I you know, and you got a new owner, Steve Cohen, got all the money in the world. So I, I think the Mets in the end are going to pull the trigger probably in the offseason, but. Yeah, you know, um, you want to go for it here. You know, I think you got to probably just pay him the money. Just make it like front load a contract. Just, you know, exactly. make it worth, you know, make it worth it and give him exactly. the lesser money. You know, exactly, exactly, exactly. So getting to the NL East, I think the Braves are clearly the best team in this division. I think they're pitching. If if uh, Mike Soroka could come back from Tommy John surgery, I think their pitching is really good with Soroka, with Morton, and with Max Fried. And you got Ian Anderson, too. Uh, the lineup is outstanding. I mean, Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuta Jr., those are two top ten players in the game. Obviously, you got uh, you got Dansby Swanson in that lineup as well. Uh, you, that lineup that lineup is loaded for the Braves. That's one of the top lineups in the game. Bullpen's a little bit questionable, but I think it's yeah, the bullpen is good enough for them to win the AL East and compete for an NL championship. As a wild card, I got the Mets. I really like their I really like their lineup. I love the Lindor signing. I like them having uh, Pete Alonso, Michael Conforto, J.D. Davis. I think their lineup is really, really good. I think the, the Met lineup is really good. Uh, I think pitching-wise, I think when they get uh, Carrasco back and, and Syndergaard back, they're going to be out for the beginning of the year. I think when they're starting pitching, it'll be good. And their bullpen is better than people think. Diaz had a better year than people thought. He had that one terrible game against the Yankees, but he had a better year than people thought. He got a little, he got a little bit closer to – how he was in 2018. So I think the Mets, I think the Mets are a wild card team. The Nationals, they will be better this year. I think with 
Strasburg back pitching a full season. I think the Nationals will be, Nationals will be better. I mean, you got Strasburg, Corbin, and and, uh, and uh, Scherzer. That's a that's probably the best three in baseball. Uh, I think the bullpen adding Brad Hand that'll be a good improvement as well. The issue though is the lineup. Juan Soto was a stud, but the problem with the Nationals is lineup wise they're not. That to me, outside of Juan Soto, they're really they really last year they missed Anthony Rendon. They're going to continue to miss Anthony Rendon. And then for the and then the Phillies, I I, I like their lineup with Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, Didi Gregorius, Reese Hoskins. I think their lineup is good. Uh, some of those other some guys, Reese Hoskins and Realmuto, need to have better years than they had last year. Pitching wise, I like Aaron Nola and I like Zach Wheeler, but rotation depth's a question. But the bullpen is a disaster. I think the bullpen's the problem. That's why I think they're the fourth best team in the division. And then the Marlins. I like their pitching last year. That's going to be the big question. Will the Marlins pitching be as good as it was last year? Because if, if it was, they could they could be a contender in the NL East. So the, the, the problem with the Marlins is their offense isn't that good. So the NL East is a very interesting division because you could make a case that all five of those teams are playoff teams. But, Justin, the question is, outside of the Braves, who do you think could win this division? Um, I, I get the Nationals. Um, I think this team could make some noise. Um, I actually have um, – in the wild card, actually, um, as my fifth spot in National League right now in the playoffs, Josh Bell, that trade, he's betting in the 380s right now. It's free trading. That's a key um, one. That's a really key move. So if he, yeah. if he can give Soto protection in that lineup, that's key. And I, I think he will. Um, he, he's, I, you know, I guess he's been really, really impressive this spring. Um, you know, they got Sarno Castro, the decent one. Trey Turner at the top of that lineup. And they also got um, Kyle Swarbrick. Um you know, for the Cubs, too, in the outfield. So I think they got a little bit more protection for him. And um, even, like, Ryan Zimmer, I know he probably won't play a ton, but he's got, like, four or five home runs this spring. So uh, the Lions are doing pretty well. Yeah, the bullpen's a little bit shaky at times. You know, Brad Hand, definitely, definitely big help. Um, but with that rotation, and then John Le- uh, John Lester signs there, too, as their fourth or fifth guy. So, um, you know, he, he's a workhorse, so. I think the Nationals could make some noise and win this division. Who is your sleeper team that could compete for the division? I'm going to go to the team I thought was going to win the last year in the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm going to go back to Joe. Uh, Joe Girardi. Yep. I think their bullpen's better, though, this year. You know, I like the Archie Bradley signing, the Jose Alvarez. Um, they got Jose Alvarez as well. Brandon Kidsler. Um, you know, Zach Wheeler pitched well last year. You got Noel at the top of their rotation. Um, you know, you got um, JT Romuto back. If the starters, if the if the bullpen, if the bullpen can do enough and just hold hold their own in this division, I think they'll be able to do enough. I think they're off. Their their lineup's going to be good enough. Their bullpen can kind of hold it down the late innings. I, I think the Phillies could really be able to uh, compete and win this division. So who do you have winning the division? I think it's pretty obvious. The Braves are clearly the best team. Yeah. I got them winning that this division for the fourth year in a row. Yeah, me too. You know, with Dorzuna coming back as well, that lineup. But yeah, I I, I love the Braves right now in that, that division. NL Central. I think it's pretty obvious who the best team is. It's the Cardinals. The addition of Arizonado puts them over the top. They got a pretty good rotation with Jack Flaherty at the top of the rotation. Got a good bullpen. I think the Cardinals are clearly the best team. I think they're going to win the division by eight to ten games. And then I think the other the, there's three teams that are going to beat each other up. The Cubs. The Reds, the Cubs, Reds, and Brewers. I think they all just beat each other up. And then, obviously, you got the Pirates at, at, as, as who are the worst team in baseball and probably the least entertaining team in the three major sports. So, Justin, who outside of the Cardinals do you think could win this division? I think it'd be the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, yeah, I like the bullpen. Bullpens, Devin yeah. Williams, and uh, and uh, and, and, and I have to read a comment. Milwaukee for me is winning the Central. 
the rotation with Barnes and Woodruff and and, and reliever Hader, also adding Jackie Brown, they should help their defense. No, I just think that St. Louis is just clearly better offensively, and I think their rotation is better. But in the bullpen, Milwaukee's definitely better with uh, Devin Williams and Josh Hader. That's one of the that's the probably I think the best uh, 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 closer uh, uh, setup man closer uh, combo in the game. Yeah, no, yeah. With the way, yeah, the rookie year Devin Williams had last year, it definitely, you know, I, I think if they're winning a game in the seventh inning, it's going to be pretty tough to, to score some runs off them in the eighth or ninth inning. Uh, Bar- you know, Corey Barnes struck out, he like 36% of the batters he faced last year. Now, granted, it wasn't at the annual central, and a- you know, AL central, but again, he looked good last year. Um, and we got a comment from, from Lucas. I can see the Reds making a big leap this year. They did lose Bill, but they do have a lot of talent. And yes, that's a good point because Suarez, Suarez didn't have a good year last year. That team, that team was had a good season because of the because of the pitching of uh, Castillo, Gray, and uh, and Bauer. But Suarez didn't have a good year last year, and they still have Gray and Bauer and uh, Gray and uh, Castillo at the top of the rotation. So I would be surprised if you know Cincinnati competed for it too. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't shock me. That's actually my sleeper team, so I'll get you know to them in a, in a minute. But I just um, don't. I mean, I just don't think offensively or yeah. even even uh, in the bullpen they're better than the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are clearly the best, but Cincinnati does have a chance. Yeah, Cincinnati de- definitely does with that lineup. You know, they they have a lot of power with um, Nicholas Castillo, um, Joey Votto's still there, Mike Musakis they still have. So yeah, I could see them making some noise. You know, I, I you know again, yeah, the Cardinals look like the best team, but. Again, like out of out of the three national leagues, this is the weakest one. So I, I could see, yeah, like a Brewers or, or or Cincinnati being able to hang around. You know, like like the Brewers. Like I expect Christian Yelich to have a big big year this year. Like I have a bounce back here. I think he is. Yeah. I think he has a bounce back here, definitely. Yeah. So like I I could see dude, I could see Milwaukee and Cincinnati really hang around and, and be able to yeah make a push for the Cardinals. We'll see. We'll see. I just don't think there's enough protection with Christian Yelich in that in that lineup. Like. Goldschmidt's got protection with Arenado. I just don't think there's enough protection for Christian Yelich in that lineup. And now here was another comment: a healthy mix of vets and young talent on Cincy. Yes, yeah. you know we'll be we'll be tracking Cincy for Lucas. And obviously, I have a guy who's who's been, who's been on and off with the Reds, you know, for years. Sal Romano. I'm from Southington, so I, I know Sal Romano, who's okay. a, who who played for the Reds. So, and we also have Rob Dibble, who was a former reliever for the Reds. So Southington has a big Cincinnati Red connection. But we'll be we'll be watching the Cincinnati Reds closely. Uh, Lucas is Cincinnati Reds. I like the Cincinnati Reds too because of Sal. So. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be tracking the Reds pretty closely this year. But uh, obviously, I think you got the I got the Cardinals in the division. Who do you got winning the, that division? Probably the Cardinals. Yeah, I got the Cardinals. But Arenado, you know, outside of court field, he's only got two fifty hitters. So right, Arenado's a great player. But he's he's one of the best hitters in baseball. He is. Okay. Yeah. You know, we'll see what the numbers look. You know, again, I know he's a great hitter, but I just want to see what the numbers look like outside of course. Absolutely. Absolutely, we'll see. We'll see about that. But we got to get to the NL West, and this is this is obvious who the top two teams are. These these potentially could be not only the top two teams in the National League. If the Yankees don't stay healthy, these might be the top two teams in all of baseball. The Dodgers, to me, are just on their own level. The Dodgers, there's 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 everyone else in baseball, and then there's the Dodgers. The Dodgers, to me, are on their own level. No one could no one compares to them, in my opinion. Uh, uh, I think with their rotation is phenomenal. With with Kershaw, with Bueller. With uh, with with getting Trevor Bauer, even having David Price like a number four or five starter, the he, the, uh, no, the lineup. The oh, so the bullpen. Wow, that just shows yeah, you how loaded that that's how loaded that road that rotation is. Uh, the, the the offense is just ridiculous with Bellinger, with Betts, 
with Justin Turner, with Max Muncie. I mean, this offense is absurd. And the bullpen's a little bit a little bit of a weakness, but the bullpen's still top 10 or top 5 with Kenley Jansen as a closer. So the Dodgers, to me, are clearly the best team in all of baseball. The Padres, I think if I think the Yankees don't stay healthy, the Padres will be the second best team in baseball because I really, really like their their, their pitching. I think getting uh getting Darvish and getting uh and getting uh Blake Snell. I like their line. I love their lineup with with Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer and and I uh, and I like their and their bullpen's pretty good too. So I think the Padres uh, and Dodgers obviously the top two teams and the rest of the teams are just rebuilding. Clearly rebuilding in the division. The Giants rebuilding. Uh, Rockies rebuilding and the uh, Diamondbacks rebuilding too. So got three teams that won't come close to the playoffs, two teams that will probably clearly make the playoffs, and and I think the Dodgers win the division. But, Justin, who – and this is such an obvious question. We I don't even think we need to answer it. It's the Padres. So I'll just go to the sleeper team. Yeah. Who is the sleeper team in this division that somehow can't compete, somehow can compete if everything falls right? It was a tough one for me between Arizona and San Francisco because San Francisco batted last year. You know, they they were right in. Yeah, and I like I like Mike Ustremski. I really like Mike yeah. Ustremski. He's he's got the genes from from his grandfather. I yeah. like Mike Ustremski. Yes, he does. But um, I end up going to the Arizona Diamondbacks. This is a team two years ago, eighty five and seventy seven. After they lost Goldsmith, everyone kind of you know called them for you know I thought they were gonna be buried and went seventy games. They end up winning eighty five. Uh, you know. Um, you know, they, they have bum Gardner now for year two though, you know, every, every, you know, they lost so many close games last year and all their lineup, like I think six or seven guys in the lineup, like they had career lows in about everything hitting bag wise. So I feel like it, it, everybody can get back on track for this lineup. I, I feel like, you know, they can make some noise here. Um, you know, like Wardo Escobar, 35 home run in 2019. You know, Nick Ahmed, you know, the UConn product, he's a decent shortstop. You know, doesn't hit for much power, but, you know, he's a great fielder. You know, um, you know, they still have Curtel Marte in the outfield. David Peralta, um, you know, I think Cole Calhoun's going to miss maybe the first month, I think I saw. But, uh, again, he's he's a he's a pretty good hitter. So, I, I think Arizona gets to stick around. And then Zach Galen and, and um, Madison Bumgarner, that one, too, I really like that combination with, you know, yeah, the bullpen's not great, but I think out of the three, I think Arizona's the more likely one to hang around in this division. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't think they're make a ton of noise, but maybe they can hang in there until like July or something. But. Yeah, we'll, we'll see there. We'll see. But obviously, I got the Dodgers winning the division. You got the Dodgers too. Yeah, I got the Dodgers. Just that 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 team is just so stacked. It's a, it's like a cheating just. Cheating in a yeah. video game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So for the playoffs in the American League, I got the Yankees division winner, uh, Rays, one of the wild cards, uh, White Sox division winner, Twins, one of the wild cards, and the Astros, one of the division winners. Uh, so for the playoffs, I'm going to go with the, I think for the wild card game, I think the Rays beat the Twins. So I got the Yankees beating the Rays, getting revenge in the division series, White Sox beating the Astros. I got the Yankees beating the White Sox and getting to the World Series. And in the National League, and here's another one. When you win your division eight consecutive years, the Dodgers aren't going anywhere. I feel like the Dodgers need to work on their closer, but but the bullpen has plenty of depth. Giants are my sleeper team in making a run early, then run out of gas. Yeah, no, I can see the Giants making a run. I can see them making a run. Obviously, with with I like Mike Ustremski, and, and and I like I don't mind their defense and their pitching is okay. I can see the Giants making a run in that division. But going back to our predictions, obviously I got the uh, I got the Yankees winning winning it. Uh, Rays wild card. Uh, White Sox winning the Central, Twins wild card, uh, the uh, the Astros winning the division, and uh, 
And I got uh, uh, going to the ALCS. I got the Yankees and White Sox advanced to the ALCS. And then the Yankees went in the American League. And then in the National League, I got the uh, obviously the Braves went in the division. Mets went in the wild card. Uh, uh, Cardinals went in their division. Dodgers went in the Dodgers went in the division. Padres getting the wild card. And then I got the Dodgers beating the I got the Padres beating the Mets in the in the wild card game. Uh, Dodgers beating the Padres in the division series. Uh, the the Braves beating the Cardinals rematch of last year between the uh, between the Padres between the Dodgers and the Braves got the Dodgers win again. Then I got the if we finally get this World Series we've been waiting for for four years. I got the Dodgers over the Yankees in the World Series. Yeah, um, so for mine I got the Yankees win the AL East, uh, Central White Sox winning it um, in the AL, AL West. I got the A's and then two wild cards of the Twins and and. Um, Tampa Bay. So I got, yeah, I got Tampa over the, or Tampa over the twins in the wild card game. Then I got Yankees beating the Rays this year. Yes. A rematch. Uh, then I got Chicago over Oakland. They'll get revenge this year as well. Um, yeah. The White Sox will get revenge over Oakland this year. I do have the Yankees beating the White Sox. And then over in the national league side, I got the Braves and then the Washington Nationals getting in as the wild card team in the Central. I have the St. Louis Cardinals, and then the West Dodgers and Padres. Um, I have the Padres beating the Nationals. I'm gonna take the Padres to beat the Dodgers. I I'm gonna take wow. the Padres to beat the Dodgers. Wow. And then I'm upset. yeah yeah I, I think you know I think the Padres want it this year. I, I think they're good enough. I think you know they built their team up to get it there. I, I got the Braves beating the Cardinals, and then. I do have the Braves knocking off the Padres in the NLC NLCS. Um, and I do have the Braves beating the Yankees because I, I, I'm i afraid if I pick the Yankees, I'll jinx them. So <laughs> I'm going to take the pa- pa- Braves and knock off the uh, – Yankees in the World Series. Got a rematch of 96 and uh, 99. I got a rematch of uh, when they were in L.A. I got a rematch of 77, 78, and 81. But I got the Dodgers winning that series. Hector's got the Yankees over the Dodgers in uh, seven. I got the Yankees. I, I bet Hector is a Giants fan. I bet he's a Yankee fan, too, just, just like me. But I got I got the Yankees over the Dodgers in seven. You got I, you know Dodgers over the Yankees in six. You got which, how many games for Braves-Yankees? Uh, I'll go seven games, Braves. Seven games, Braves, Yankees. I got Dodgers over the Yankees in six. Hector has got the Yankees over the Dodgers in seven. But we got to get to the awards before we wrap up baseball. We got to get to the awards. I got my my A. Well, right in the American League. My AL MVP is Mike Trout. I think he has he has a great year for the Angels. I think he puts up big numbers. I think he wins another MVP for the. Uh, for the Cy Young, I'm going Garrett Cole. I think Garrett Cole could have very easily won the Cy Young if it was a Cy Young if it was a full season last year. The reason he didn't was because it was a shortened season. He completely outpitched the guy who won the Cy Young in uh, in Shane Bieber in, in in the playoffs. So I got Garrett Cole winning the Cy Young in the uh, in the American League, and our picks are down below too. So so you can see the ticker down below. We got our picks there too. In the National League, winning the MVP, I got Fernando Tatis Jr. And in the and the Cy Young in the National League, I got Walker Bueller. Justin, what are your awards? Um, the American League MVP, I got Matt Chapman. I think he'll be the big anchor to get Oakland to the AL West title this year. I think he has a huge year. If you cut down some of the strikeout numbers, um, I could see him have a monster year. And then the AL Center, I got Lucas Giolito. I, I think with that, with that, all that rotation they have, kind of guys for protected form. I think you have a big year, and, and there's a lot of um, people buying the White Sox. There's a lot of hype for him. Um, I think that could work well for him. Um, so I got him win the AL Cy Young, and then over in the National League side, I have Ronald Acuna Jr. I love I love the protection of Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna, Ozzy Alves, 
you know, going to be healthy this year. So I love the protection they have for him. And then my Cy Young Award winner, I got Aaron Nola. Um, I feel like he's been kind of close the last few years, hasn't been able to get it done. Um, I think he has a monster year, you know, pitching-wise. And I think he keeps the Phillies competitive, and I think he does enough to win Cy Young this year. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So it should be interesting. Baseball opening day tomorrow, and uh, I'm really excited for it, and, and I'm excited for the baseball season to start. But we got to recap. We got to uh, wrap up the show talking about the NBA and recapping the NBA trade de- trade deadline. Really, two things we'll go over. First, we'll go over the buyout market. The Lakers and the Nets, they've separated themselves. Nets getting LaMarcus Aldridge. Lakers getting Andre Drummond. It's pretty safe to say these two teams stay healthy. They're on a collision course to play in the NBA Finals. And just like yeah. just like they did in 2002. Yeah, and I know yeah, this is for another story for another day. I, I don't like I don't like this bio market stuff. I, I they can go sign wherever, but yeah, it's pretty it's pretty easy. I think the Nets have already wrapped up the Eastern Conference title. Uh, Lakers, if, if LeBron AD coming back healthy, yeah, I, I don't see anybody beating those three with Andre Drummond now. And we look at the trade deadline. Uh, the Magic were the busiest team, pretty much uh, tearing their team apart. They traded Vucicic to the Bulls. I like that move. Even though the Bulls have lost a couple games, I still think the Bulls will get in the playoffs and possibly can win the playoff round getting him. Uh, they traded obviously, they traded Evan Fournier to the Celtics. I think Evan Fournier is a little overrated seeing his performance in his first game against the Celtics on Monday night. They they traded uh, they traded uh, uh, Aaron Gordon to the, to the Nuggets. I think he'll improve the Nuggets defensively. Uh, we look at what the Heat did, getting Victor Oladipo. I think Victor Oladipo, once he once he starts playing there, clearly makes the Heat the fourth best team in the uh, in in the Eastern Conference. The Raptors traded Norman Powell to the uh, to the Blazers. I think that's going to help the Blazers with some three point shooting. And then lastly, the uh, Clippers traded uh, Rondo. The, the Hawks traded Rondo to the Clippers for Lou Williams. I think Rondo will help with defense and leadership for the Clippers. Yeah. Um... With Fourier, yeah, he really struggled uh, that opener. But again, kind of released pressure for uh, I feel like a Brown and Tatum as he can start knocking down some shots. Um, Norm Powell, I think he's like he's like the second best percentage wide three point shooter. So yeah, it definitely helps uh, the Trailblazers to get another shot maker. You know, in, in that Western that Western Conference is just absolutely brutal. Um, the Magic get tearing it down. Um, I, I, I kind of – the Bulls, for me, it doesn't really move the needle much because they can score. They don't play any defense. I don't think Budichich is that great defensively. Yeah, maybe they could win a, the playing game, but they're playing around. But I'm not really high right now on the Bulls. Um, you know, even though Zach Levine, Budichich have been having a great year. Um, the Nuggets getting Eric Gordon, I kind of like that move for the Nuggets. Yeah, add another big guy in that front court, which you're going to need now with, you know – with everything, you know, with the Clippers, Lakers being, you know, having size in the in jazz. Um, I, I do like that move. And then with the Heat and Alvin Depot, yeah, I think this is the one where, you know, the Heat have now need to start taking command of the division whenever they get Al Depot back. There's only a game and a half out of Charlotte. Um, Charlotte's been playing well since Ball got hurt. Um, but I, I think Al Depot, they, it's kind of a shooter that they need. They've been really struggling to score the basketball. He brings a nice scoring threat to this team. So, um, I, I do really like to move Al Depot to the Heat. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what ends up happening there. It should be interesting to see how the NBA regular season ends with these move with the, with these moves at the trade deadline. But it's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J. I want to thank all the commenters, Hector, Lucas, Sean. Thanks a lot for commenting. Our producer, Jace Garcia, did a great job today. And for Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week, uh, recapping March Madness and. 
uh, previewing the Masters. Have a great weekend, everyone. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. I crossed up by Colby, well, floated Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. Hey, there's no other show like that. Clover Quest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere.